0: This episode of Asians Represent is brought to you by our amazing supporters at patreon.com slash aznsrepresent and the OneShot Podcast Network. Join our Discord community by heading to aznsrepresent.com.
1: Welcome to Asians Represent. My name is Iza and I'm the host for this episode in which we are going to be discussing how we as mixed race people represent our mixed race heritage and identity in D&D and TTRPGs. In the previous mixed race representation panel we covered how being mixed race is portrayed in official RPG materials and in media in general and some of the many, many, many problems that arise from that. So if you didn't catch that, be sure to check it out because there's a lot of topics we covered there. But we still felt like we had a lot more to say on the very complex subject of mixed race representation. So we're back. (laughs) And in this panel, uh, we'll be more focused on how we choose to represent ourselves and our mixed race identity or uh, the mixed race identity of our characters when playing TTRPGs and our experiences while doing so. And before we dive in, I'm going to let all these awesome, lovely panelists here introduce themselves, um, starting with Kimchi. Oh,
2: okay. Uh, I'm Legal Kimchi. I'm a YouTuber who makes video essays with regards to uh, TTRBGs and related t- topics to that. You can find me at YouTube.com Legal Kimchi, uh, or on Twitter, er, Twitter.com Legal Kimchi, Legal Kimchi in all of the things. So you'll, if you like those deep dives into those types of topics, including... <coughs> Uh, mixed-race heritage and how um, I view it in a DTRPG realm. I've done a video on that. You can find it on my YouTube channel.
1: Cool. And next up is Drew.
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Drew. Uh,
3: I am uh, the Discord community manager for Asians Represent. So you'll find me a lot around there, or you'll find me on Twitter uh, at, at Drew Kwan. Uh, beyond that, I am uh, 50% Chinese, and I'm 50% uh, vaguely European. kind of all over the place so yeah glad to be here
1: happy to have you on and next is emma hello
4: (laughs) yeah uh yeah i'm an archaeologist who has found their way into the ttrpg world i can't say recently anymore because it's been several years now but yeah i work in ttrpg's Sometimes as a cultural consultant or a sensitivity reader, I am also part of the Asians Rep community. I am mixed Japanese and mixed generation, I think is what I said last time, too. I don't know if there's anything else. My Twitter account is on the overlay, so I'm not going to bother saying that out loud. (laughs) (laughs) And Sonia. Hi, everybody.
5: I'm Sonia, a.k.a. Sony Baloney Art across all social media. I'm a freelance character designer and illustrator, mostly for tabletop stuff while I try to make it and break into the animation industry here in Los Angeles. Um, you can find some of my work in the recently released Uncaged Goddesses and Die Hard Dice's Adventuring Artist Tarot Deck, which my card recently got released. Um, I did the Wheel of Fortune card. Um, and as for what I am, I am Filipino, Polynesian, Hakka Chinese, Black, and Ashkenazi Jewish. It's a lot,
1: but it's me. And <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy.
6: Hello, I am Jeremy. <laughs> I go by Pixel Grotto on twitter you can look at me there for most of my recent writings i write for DD beyond i've written for metal weave games i've uh, done some private projects and design work here and there and i most recently updated my portfolio site so if you want somebody to write ttrpg content for you or video game content or comic book content then hit me up there um as for my exact racial background uh for anyone who didn't watch last time or listen last time i am uh, half taiwanese and uh, half American Jewish
2: I don't think I actually stated mine this time around. Uh, clarification. I am Korean, Spanish, and Puerto Rican, so
1: <laughs> Cool. And I should probably also introduce myself as well. So uh, like I said, my name is Iza, and my own background is Pakistani, Syrian, Spanish. Polish Ashkenazi Jewish and Moroccan Sephardic Jewish like Sonia said it's a lot but it's me um, <laughs> I relate a lot and uh, I'm a TTRPG streamer I've done a lot of stuff with Asians Represent before like Critical Read al and the previous Mixed Race panel and panels on like clothing and costume and visual design re- in relation to racial representation um, and I'm also a cosplayer and a designer and I do a million things because I'm a millennial so of course I have like 80 jobs and no money um <laughs> Yeah. Yep. yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to get too real like right up front Though, we have other more real more Do even that. more real topics to get into. Um <laughs> so, uh Moving into said topics um, up front, I just wanted to mention that as I said before, this subject of mixed race representation is a really complex one <coughs> um, it's also one that often gets overlooked I think everyone here would agree um, being mixed race is often utilized in particular in fantasy media in a lot of really uncomfortable and harmful ways often without that harm ever even being noticed or acknowledged for example. I think about how a few months ago I like slogged and clawed my way through watching The Witcher and was just utterly exhausted by the horrible ways in which being mixed race is portrayed in that series, among many other issues I had with the show. Uh, and I say exhausted rather than shocked because it was all things I'd seen before a million times. It's very commonplace for being mixed race to be represented as a form of suffering and penance in fantasy media. Sad and this is backstory a topic. seasoning. <laughs> yep, sad backstory seasoning. <laughs> and that's a topic we discussed a lot last time. Um, so again, if you want to see that more in depth, go watch the previous panel. Um, so I hope that with us discussing this topic today of how we choose to represent ourselves, hearing from a lovely, varied group of mixed race people with lots of different backgrounds and experiences about... different ways in which we all uh, have found joy or interest or self-discovery in exploring our own identities, things we found to be productive or positive, things we haven't found to be productive, we can just chip away a little bit at those tired expected portrayals that you see over and over again and show things from our perspectives for a change. So I guess a broad topic to start with is whether and how we like to express and explore our mixed race identity when playing RPGs, whether that's through player characters or NPCs, if you're a forever GM. Um, And so are there any examples anyone has of characters you've played themes you've explored that really stood out to you where you felt like you were getting to represent that side of yourself?
2: Well, for me, um, I I recently got an opportunity to play a uh, mixed character. And I've noticed that the way that I portrayed him was very similar to how I portray the NPCs uh, who are mixed in my world. And it's very much a, um, it's not a thing. Like people just ask you. Okay. Yeah. It's well, I'm my, my mother was Orcish and my father was Elven, or something like that. And uh, it, it's, it's, Goes into that, and, and you know the the character would talk about different notes from the various cultures um, that he was from, but then just move on. You know, I I, I didn't want to, as Sonia and uh, and Issa pointed out, just have that as sad backstory seasoning. Um, his backstory was fantastic. He loved it. Uh, his his uh, parents were. Uh, sea traders and occasional pirates and he grew up on the sea he had a lot of adventure he loved it he keeps doing it it's the family business and his parents are still alive and well and proud of him (laughs) and (laughs) it was just it was one of those things where i think it came out in sort of like offhanded comments of you know it's like there's a fine elf wine it's like my mother used to drink. She was the orc. Yeah, well, that was part of the reason why she got with my dad. Like, it was just like little things like that um, that would filter into it, um, but not batting an eye at uh, any of that and trying to ease their way, uh, being knowledgeable of the customs uh, in whatever location they found themselves in. So
1: Yeah. So finding value and allowing it to be a casual, incidental form of representation rather than it having to be this big, like overwrought thing that informs every aspect of everything he ever does. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
4: it's like, don't you feel represented?
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's like I didn't want to center the story on the fact that he was mixed. I didn't want that to be the defining characteristic of the character. I wanted the defining characteristic of the character to be the funny voice that I was using.
1: (laughs) And you're going to do the funny voice. Well, of course I'm going
2: to do the funny voice. I do the funny voice all the time. Okay. (laughs) There we go. I like doing the funny voices. (laughs) I picked up this voice on various ports. It's all over the place and it changes per sentence. (laughs) 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 So, you know, it was one of those things where, um, you know, it was going for more of a broad, more of a a humorous type character. And um, to have someone who's very cosmopolitan is very like, I, I was born on a ship. I went around, I know the places and customs of the people around me. So it was just playing along with that. Um, You know? So that was, that was the idea. And I haven't like, I love doing voices. So there's that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think there's, so very often when I, when I think about like representation in media, like, with, with the capital R and all that shit, I think about like how there are different forms of representing like culture and identity and stuff like that. And, and one can be the incidental representation where you have a character who happens to be a particular ethnicity or a particular gender or whatever. Um, and then there's representation where the character could only be that ethnicity or that gender because their story kind of revolves around it and how both have value both can be positive, both can also end up with some, like, uncomfortable themes in them, depending on who's writing them and how they're written and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I definitely see that there's there's value in being allowed to explore the breadth of that, everything from incidental to where it's, like, completely um, necessary for that character to be from that particular background, and, where it's something you're deliberately exploring.
2: I don't know if this is just me, but uh, being more of a forever DM type of person, like, Playing that character in someone else's game, I, I almost felt like I had less control of the totality of the narrative. Right. And so I would be less comfortable playing a character where it was centralized, where it was mm-hmm. like only a mixed person could do this, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm DMing the game, I have a little bit more exerted control over it. So I'd be more comfortable creating a centralized story for like an NPC or something like that.
5: Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: So there was a little of that thought process going in beforehand.
5: No, I totally understand that because um, I have actually, for me, I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum where I actually haven't played a whole lot of mixed race characters. And it's largely because of one, um, since I'm the player, a lot of the DMs, like the two long-term DMs I've played with, they're both white. So oftentimes I'm just like, okay, beyond like the added thing of like, you know, other added baggage, which is like, it's not really a narrative that I expect them to understand or Mm -hmm. tackle with the nuance that I expect. Um, I love these people. I trust them. Don't trust them with that. And they completely understand because again, it's not their lived experience. And like, even though there are times where like, there are like aspects of like, For example, my Air Janasi Faye, now I see, even though she is coded as like Chinese, because all my characters are like (coughs) broken up into different segments of what makes me me. Um, Faye is Chinese, but I also viewed her as mixed. And like when me and my uh, fellow player who plays my twin brother in the game, uh, we had the backstory. We're both like, we are both black and we both agreed that, you know, we have the backstory added, just like a tiny little thing. Like the twins were different and they were picked on a little bit as children. And kimchi is going to go get his pizza. <laughs> get the pizza. Uh, but what like, the we top have...
1: toppings are on that pizza? We <laughs> need to know.
5: <laughs> but we both agreed as both, like uh, you know, people of color that we were okay with having that element of the twins were different. Their parents are human. Mm-hmm. They were born air Genasi as a result of weird shit happening. And um, they were, picked on a little bit as kids and it did find kind of like especially for my character form a kind of underlying current of like how she just reacted to people like like she didn't really trust people she stuck closer to her family more closely to her brother because like we even talked about this how your sibling who is also mixed race and the same as like you are like the only people that can really understand your experience and whatnot and so She like she stuck close to her brother because like you're kind of the only one that gets me. Um, The two of them have their both separate lives, but they stick really close to each other. They have tendencies to when they are pressed for private information, they will close fucking ranks, (laughs) and it's really (laughs) funny. Um, But it was just something that both me and my fellow player agreed on. Also, it was really nice to be able to explore that, like because my DM didn't add the fantasy racism thing, so it was kind of just like an internal exploration and i know people are going to be like but sonia you said that that's like the stereotypes you want to avoid there is a difference when it's me a mixed race person unpacking my own trauma versus white person that wants to make a blood quantum Elgin kingdom and make it the central point of their plot
4: yeah there's a big difference too between like getting picked on because i think that's a pretty standard childhood experience because children are the worst yeah they're quite cruel (laughs) (laughs) and there's a difference between that and experiencing systemic sustained exactly. society-wide discrimination and prejudice and mm-hmm. like getting shat on by all of the adults and everyone in a certain society. Like there's a huge difference between those two things.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think also something you touched on that's really, really important is when and how we can feel comfortable to play characters that explore mixed race identity or any sort of like non-white identity um because i know for example that i i have some characters where their racial identity in, ter- in dnd terms is like very central to the character and it's something that i deliberately wanted to explore um and i have others where it's more incidental as as kimchi said and i've had some very very positive experiences playing one character in particular who i've ended up playing multiple times because Sadly, I had a really horrible experience trying to play her in a group where a, a lot of racism ended up happening, and I and I was very shocked by like that being that being a thing in that group, and it ended up feeling like I didn't get to play the character as I wanted to play her, and it all felt very frankly actually quite traumatic. Yep. Um, so then, I, so now I play her again, and I play her with a GM who is white, but who I trust very very much. Um, also happens to be my partner so like that helps um um, but now i get to actually like explore the um the mixed race representation the swana and south asian representation the Janassi aspects of the character because i'm sure we'll get into it a bit later like Janassi, hello mixed race coded um and i feel safe to do that with that GM in that space, but haven't felt safe to do that in other spaces or have tried to do it and then realize that it isn't a safe area to do that in. Um, And that can be like, that could be really upsetting and leave like lasting kind of effects. Like for a while, I didn't want to play that character anymore. And I felt really sad about that because it was a character that meant a lot to me. Um, So I think if, you know, If you are a GM who isn't mixed race and you have someone at your table wanting to explore that, talk with them about it and what they're expecting from it, what they what they hope for, what they don't want to happen. Any like, you know, yeah, yeah, Um, the same as any like safety, um, safety tools talk. But for some reason, but well, because... This like idea of mixed race being something damaging and trauma, like full of trauma for a character, is so prevalent in fantasy media. People just dive into it um, and don't think about how that's going to feel for any mixed race people at the table. Quite often,
2: yeah. Well, I mean, it's even with the lines and veils uh, and things of that nature. I mean, you don't find them on any of the pre-made, you know, pages because no one talks about it. That's all part of the reason why we're doing this in the first place is people understand to a certain extent, um, like racism in its common forms, people understand, uh, issues with sexual assault or whatever, you know, things like traumatic events that people have a certain common understanding of. But for some reason, like the things people understand about racism, seem to fall off when uh-huh. you bring up the mixed race thing. Because it's like, well, I mean, if you're both, <laughs> or whatever, um, then that doesn't apply anymore, right?
4: When it starts uh- with, well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well,
6: I, I, have a, I have here with me my first and notebook that Woo! I ever used, and my the first character that I ever made in the game. Uh, dine Cinderpaw. i'm holding him up for the camera here oh, right now i
5: love this but he
6: was the he was a ranger that i made for my first D game and basically he kind of is an interesting example that corresponds to a lot of the stuff that's been said um i came up with a tremendous backstory for him because he was originally a character i wanted to write about in a in a series of fantasy novels that i never wrote um but the whole idea was that he was mostly white but like a little bit asian uh but People would not really be able to tell that on the surface. I think I was trying to um, channel the idea of being like a quarter Asian or like a a quarter mixed race. Um, So in the homebrew world that I created, that I never really expounded upon, uh, there were these um, races that had vaguely uh, animal-like characteristics. I think the closest thing to them in D and D is shifters from Aberon, uh, from Eberron, who have like you know the characteristics of like wolves or like bears and stuff like that. And the whole idea for this character is that his uh, grandmother had been a member of this race, and so his uh, mother had been like half of that, and he was a fourth, and that you couldn't really tell because he looked mostly I guess what you might consider to be typically um, Caucasian in uh, uh, you know your standard Eurocentric fantasy setting. But the idea was that um, anybody who was also belonging to this animalistic race could tell by looking at like his eyes because he had purple eyes and it was like a telltale kind of thing they could tell nobody else could tell and the whole idea was that he was actually quite fluent in the language of this race that he was uh, descended from but he spoke a really like old version of it so he could go into a shop and like order weapons and if the shopkeeper was also descended from this race they would be able to communicate fluently but the shopkeeper would be like you sound like my grandmother um and the idea was to have you know he was like a buff burly ranger dude who was like built like dave bautista like a brick but the idea was that when he spoke this language he sounded like a grandma and my idea for that was influenced by uh, actually you know a lot of the people in new orleans who speak french an older form of french and It doesn't really sound like any other form of French that's spoken, you know in France and the idea that oh You might be a mixed-race person who learns like say Chinese or, like Japanese or whatever from your grandmother Or you know your mother who might have an imperfect knowledge of it And you you come out with these interesting quirks in your speech It was like the very first time I went to Japan and my mom who is Taiwanese but grew up speaking Japanese because of colonialism um, Told me to introduce myself to everyone using uh or like as I caused it called it back in the day watakushi because i couldn't pronounce it which just like super super polite japanese and i remember my host sister laughed at me for doing that and it's just a weird quirk um and my whole idea with this first character of mine was to have all those little weird quirks in there indicating that he was kind of mixed race but none of those were able to be explored in the games that i actually played as him mm-hmm. because my first dm was german he was a great guy but he just didn't really give me a chance to to delve into that and then i played this character in a super long campaign where he got up to level 15 and shot demogorgon in the face with a magic arrow but i never really got to explore these things i got to explore some other things uh this character ended up in an interracial relationship with a dwarf and he's a human um and that was a whole thing that i explored upon he got vaporized by a beholder ray and reincarnated as a half orc which is really weird (laughs) Um, and the Jesus! End, yeah. What a
3: roller coaster! Also, and then at, at the very
6: end of the campaign, uh, Demogorgon killed him, and he got reincarnated as a dwarf, which was really weird. Because at the table I was playing at, they're like, "Oh, your wife is dwarven; like you're a dwarf now. That's great." But I was like, "But I don't want to be a dwarf. I want to be go back to being a human. Like that's who I am." And so there were some other things I got to explore, but I never really got to explore the the hidden mixed race concepts until I started running him as a character and as an NPC character in all the games I DM'd. And then I got to explore his character's whole life. Like, he had his happy ending. He got to be an old man. He got to retire happily with his dwarven wife and make a beautiful dwarven, you know, mixed-race child. Uh, <laughs> in Saltmarsh, actually, which is the last time I used him as an NPC. Um, but uh, it was only something that I could do because I understood the nuances. And it was only mm-hmm. something that, you know, other mixed-race players or other people of color at the table could really uh, pick up. because. Yeah. Most people just don't get it.
5: Yeah, yeah, like when you said like other people from that race immediately know. It's like how we d- talked at the very end of the panel, how we have all of us seem to have like this weird mixed race radar in the back of yeah. our head and when we <laughs> see someone that's mixed like a mixed celebrity on TV like winning and we're like wait, I got to look you up for a second. Yeah. It's like do the <laughs> Wikipedia yeah. search yeah. like I, I
1: can't get you. Vibe. away. but <laughs> I've got the vibe. <laughs> the vibe. <They're>
5: a keeper. <laughs> It's so true. And, it's so true. and so like, but yeah, yeah, like it's it's a thing where' it's just like certain GMs are just don't have that tool set, you know, mm-hmm. it's like with my other like forever GM that I play every game with, like I don't expect them to tackle those nuances, nor am I going to bring it up with them because again, that's not their bag. However, if I wanted to like say if we all wound up playing a game with this entire panel and we wanted to explore. All the aspects of being mixed race—the good, the bad, the ugly, the fabulous, whatever—like I m- definitely would be way more comfortable because, like, again, it's that thing. Like, you guys will get it. We're all really different in what makes mm-hmm. us what we are, but there is that common, those common threads where we're just like, yeah, no, I get that, I get that shit. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like, and
2: you also. I'm sorry.
5: Oh,
1: I was going to say <laughs> when when Jeremy was talking about making a character who was mixed race and like sort of past but other people who were of that culture could tell like that the character I was just talking about her her name's Elise Uh, she's a Storm Genasi who thought she was human until she found out she was a Storm Genasi and essentially passes as human except she has like electric blue eyes and hair and sometimes when she casts magic weird shit happens and she starts (laughs) to turn into what ended up like she discovered ended up being her Genasi form Um, and like Utilizing fantasy sort of uh, weird fantasy magic shit <laughs> to explore aspects of like racial and cultural identity can be very rewarding, but also there is so much racism baked into fantasy that even I feel often like I have to be very careful with how I decide to do that. Um, and it can be it can be quite a minefield. And yeah, when and depending on like what the other people at the table are, like what, uh, where their standing is on it as well um, can definitely affect how comfortable you feel to explore all of that.
2: Yeah, because I mean, um, it, it's not only the fear of this person's going to put my mixed character into this uh, sad backstory seasoning rigmarole, right? It's not just that we're just going to hit every single trope uh, on the tree on the way down. It's also some people... Get very angry that you would even want to explore these types of issues uh, in the game. Like my my mixed race video came out. Good lord, it's been over a year. Um, (laughs) it's time? um, And I got a comment on it recently, where someone uh, felt the need to say, um, "This is ridiculous. Why? This isn't an issue." So what? Who cares, right? Uh, you're, it should not affect you or your character at all. Um, and and in, and in my game, it would never be a thing. I was just like, I get what you're coming from on this one, right? I I I, I feel like you mean well, um, but I mm, it was just you know. Uh, uh, the 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 discounting of my experience the tossing away of life experience and the desire to play with certain topics in this unique game structure that we have with RPGs um when everybody has buy in you know and, and and that's the thing if everybody has the buy in for it and wants to engage in this sort of stuff um that's that's absolutely essential but the the tossing away of even the desire of wanting to find a group that could
7: mm-hmm. uh,
2: is is another reaction of people who uh, kind of probably misinterpret the idea of anti-racism
1: uh <laughs> yeah it's this weird it's this weird like polarizing where on the one end you've got people who are like well in my fantasy world everyone's super racist and you know everyone hates orcs and dwarves hate humans and humans hate elves and blah, 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 and it's everything is so important everything about race is so important but it's only in the bad ways and then yeah. on the mm-hmm. other end of the spectrum you've got the people who are just super dismissive and are like well no why would anybody ever care to explore any kind of racial dynamic in that doesn't happen. In- in here like really <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. <Well, laughs> i remember so, oh go ahead i was just gonna say it's that whole colorblind yeah um, mm-hmm. idea and that i don't see race or i don't see color it's like that's not how the world works. That's not and helpful that,
5: at all. <laughs> it, it actually is another form of like weird racism by saying like you Ever. know oh I'm colorblind yeah. just like hey eh, you're also contributing to a problem. But I know if I point that out, you're going to get upset at me and yeah, you're yeah. going to be like you're not being you're not being nice to me. I rescind my allyship. Yeah. That whole thing.
3: <laughs> I remember after the uh, Ori- Oriental Adventures series, uh, I can't remember if I saw it on Twitter. Someone said it to me. Or if someone said it on one of the YouTube comments, but they basically said something to the effect of like, well, maybe if you're thinking about so much, that's because you're the one who's racist. And I was like, I don't Uh, know about that one. Why is it
1: always the comeback? (laughs) Yeah,
3: you see it it all the time where it's like, you know, if you're the one being bothered, if you're the one thinking about so much you know, if you're the one seeing it, maybe that's because you're more in tune with being racist. And I was like, I don't know if yeah. that's how it works. That is that, not you know? the mic
5: drop that's, you, that's, think is, yeah, you think it is, my yeah, guy.
4: You think it is. It's of It's not like yeah. racialized people are manifesting racism by talking about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, It's <laughs> that whole thing of like, well, if we just never talk about racism and we never point it out, then therefore we're not being racist because we're not pointing out race. And it's this weird like feeling that if you talk, talk about anything to do with race, whether it's racism or any other aspect of like being a person of color in any way that's a problem, because now you're pointing out that race exists, and before yeah. we got to ignore it.
3: Yeah, so it's uh, not, racism isn't Voldemort.
1: Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, or like, you know, just speak Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
7: Uh,
6: I think I it was an interesting, oh, sorry, sorry Kim, were you going to say something?
2: It was just an offhand comment. It's the Morgan Freeman head slap, because uh, Morgan Freeman is one of those people who just consistently will repeat the stop talking about racism, and yeah. racism will end. It's just like, mm. no, that's not how that that's works. That's not how it <laughs> works. <laughs> um, I, there, was an interest, there was
6: an interesting side to this, though, where like um, I, the most recent uh, D&D character I'm playing is a Genasi, and I am playing her as a mixed-race Genasi. She and my first character are the the ones that I've specifically coded as mixed-race, and uh, this Genasi character, I, I kind of imagine her as like Okinawan, mixed with Southeast Asian, um, and... Throughout the game, uh, I try my best to evoke the fact that you know she is a person of color. She is mixed race. She does have an interesting heritage uh, that is a little different from some of the other players at the table. And, and at one point, um, this other guy that I'm playing with, he is of Indian descent, uh, we got on the topic of talking about like Uh, representation of poc characters in fantasy and and he was he asked me oh your character is a poc right because she's well i guess she's technically blue right and i was like yeah and then i went to this whole thing like talking about you know you know how i am intentionally trying to present her as mixed race and then i asked him about his character he plays this funny little gnome with like a mechanical backpack that does all this cool stuff um and he was like nah nah he's 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 like uh he's he's like he's white and and then he said oh I'll, i'll play a I'll play a character of color at one point, but I'm not ready for that yet. And I thought that was interesting, the idea that I'm not ready for that yet, especially coming from another person of color. I can understand Um, that. No, I get it. I I Because D&D, specifically D&D as a game, does set you up in this mostly Eurocentric framework Mm -hmm. where the default is kind of expected that you're probably going to be a white person, or at least if you are a person of color, that's not at the forefront of your character and this friend oh. of mine he's only been playing D D for a little bit less than a year and when he said i'm not ready for that yet i found that interesting because if he, i think there was like a uh, a cog turning in his head like oh i would probably need to put a little bit more thought into that if i wanted to do justice mm-hmm. to a mm-hmm. character in that sense and i'm not ready for that and there aren't yeah. tools to i think get the, me other, to, to do yeah, that.
1: the other yeah the other makes a lot of sense i feel that yeah, the other part of that is that when, like you say, if your character is a person of color, it's either not important or, or it really, really is in a really bad way because they yeah. are from character or they're from Alcadim or, um, and it's and yeah. these settings which are deeply racist and deeply tokenizing and yep. all the rest of it, and so it can feel like a lot of pressure to have to. Suddenly Either, you have the weight
5: of an entire nation on your shoulders. Yeah, exactly. People.
1: Like but I also oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, when I when I first started playing DD, I know that I I was at a point in my life where I was just starting to um explore a lot of the other sides of my heritage that I hadn't gotten the chance to explore a lot growing up, which would be the like South Asian and Swana, which for anyone who doesn't know is Southwest Asian and North African sometimes people use like middle eastern or mina for that um but i prefer swana um and i latched onto Janassi very very quickly seeing immediately how they were deeply mixed race coded and also deeply swana coded and i'm not saying that it's done well across the board there's a lot of issues with like the language that's used there's a lot of talk about like oh, creatures of two worlds but belonging to neither their genie parents don't care about them blah 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 which isn't what I would like and I just I remember like <laughs> immediately going like oh I like the seed of that idea and then just being like but now I'm gonna play a Janassi. I'm gonna rewrite all the lore and so it I is more work fix the canon and so you so I immediately gave myself so much more work to do but and but not only that but also like emotional labor and then when it turned out that people at that table didn't react too kindly to certain things I was trying to do, it put even more emotional labor on me and made me think that I was maybe doing something wrong. So it can be, I can see why people might hesitate. Definitely. Um, You
2: see, it's, it's weird to me because you get folks who are not very willing to accommodate you doing that at the mm -hmm. table. Okay. Like if Marvel gets to redo what the 10 rings are between Iron Man 3 or 1 in 3, and, uh, you know, Shang-Chi, then, like, if you're going to play the game in the Forgotten Realms, then when my character comes from Goguryeo, well, he's going to come from, like, 7th century Korea, because I know a bit about 7th century Korea, <laughs> so I'm going to make it, like, uh, see, from that Karator region, it's like, well, no, he's, he's literally from this area uh, which the Forgotten Realms took the name from the actual ancient area. Guess what? I'm going to make it that area and it's going to be that real area. Yep. And, uh, with all of the things that come along with that, I just, I don't understand why someone would be so, uh, against that restructuring. Like in my own world, I had a two times, uh, I've run games, uh, recently I had a person come up to me and go, Hey, your idea of like this culture here, um, how, how, how betrothed are you to that? And I was like, no, just change it, like make it up. Like I, I, I'm not publishing this thing, or I don't. Like it's not even, even though I created it, even though it's my homebrew world. Uh, if you have a better idea for this, that's more comfortable for you, that you like playing better, go for it. Like I don't know, yeah. I don't get people being so. We have to keep it the old racist way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I the old guard. <laughs> Something I've definitely noticed. The more I play DD and the more I, you know, I dipped out of d d for a bit because I realized how rigid and racist it was. And then I came back into it like, I'm prepared to change every fucking thing. Yeah. Nothing is safe from me. <laughs> but the thing I've realized is that people get so bogged down in making sure everything is like... The same and accurate, quote unquote. Even though D and D has had a million fucking editions and all the rest the of lore. it, the lore. But like, yeah, yeah like what what it has to be lore? accurate. Why are there black like- dwarves in Lord of the Rings? <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. Like, but it's not even to do with race. Like, even just to do with if you choose to homebrew something in a way people don't like. Like, I remember a particular post I made recently about how. My GM made a Tarask that had like double the hit points and I used a homebrew spell to kill it and people got real fucking mad that, They like, got mad? At that. I thought that we shit was
6: were... cool. And how, how many worst people have actually fought a Tarask? Like honestly. Like you uh, do whatever you want with Tarasks.
1: I, I know, right? And it's but people were mad that we changed the Tarask and that we used a homebrew spell to kill that, that it and that it should... wasn't all it then people, the people should get mad
6: at them. all forms of homebrew, especially in fifth edition. Yeah. Because fifth edition yeah. encourages you to homebrew and hack the hell out of everything.
5: Yeah, and right? when people get yeah. mad, I like when people get mad, I've gotten to that point where I am like Isza. It's like you shouldn't be playing it like this, oh or like, oh, your Triton doesn't look like a Triton, because originally she was supposed to be half Triton, but then my DM said no homebrew, we have to get started on the if- way." <laughs> so I wound up God. tossing away the mixed race narrative and opting for a diaspora oh. narrative. Uh, <laughs> I will get into that maybe later. But um it wasn't anything malicious and i've talked to my dm about it, it extensively. and then she has apologized and also has said like you i am encouraging you use ha- elf and ha- orc have a baby next campaign you can go do it <laughs> but like it has to do with like just like they get so mad about like us changing things to make it more comfortable, make it more less racist. And every time they just like get like more mad, I'm just like that one comic. Like I will increase the fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> you can't stop
1: me. <sighs> but because, I mean, um, it, because but, like, not only is, oh, sorry, sorry Yeah, <laughs> no, But also
5: like going back to like Jeremy's friends, it's just, like, I don't think I'm ready for that. It comes with that added, like, you know, you know, like, even though you haven't fully thought of it, just rapid fire in your head. You kind of already know there's going to be a lot more emotional labor. There's going to be a lot more things I have to teach the table about my culture and I have to go mm-hmm. through. Am I willing to do that? Or if like you're, you know, present on social media and you talk about your characters and stuff, am I willing to potentially go through like the backlash that is, is going to like go through <laughs> and whatnot. It's just like, am I ready to step into that? Cause also it just comes with the fact, like not only does people don't want to change or like, for me, the reason why I discovered why I didn't play a lot of mixed race characters is because for my entire life, it's that that not so subtle, very in your face thing of, okay, dragons, magic, curses, all that shit, that can happen. Being a brown person, being an Asian person in a fantasy setting, no, 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 my immersion is broken. Nope, can't do that. Can't do that. So just like being like a person of color, that's maybe just like you know Chinese in a fantasy setting that's too far and then my brain goes a step further like oh me wanting to play a mixed race character that's like five different things that's way too far and nobody is gonna want yeah. to deal with that and also just because like d d at it's like you know If you only have the player's handbook, the free stuff available on D&D Beyond, say you're new to the hobby, you don't know what homebrewing is. You get stuck within these confines and there isn't really the tools to create these like mixed race nuanced characters until you start getting into like third party supplements. Like D&D and D&D Beyond are doing like a better job of like, okay, we're going to try to get rid of the racism. And, you know, you're starting um, like, ability score bonuses, you can now assign them to whatever. They're not tied to your specific race. That's great, but also, again, that's one step in one direction. But It's again, a drop in add, an ocean. It's a drop in a vast ocean. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um,
5: and it doesn't think, help, um, really, with the mixed race thing, but, like, yeah. you know, you have third-party supplements that you can get to that do kind of help you out a little bit with that, but we still got a long way to go. But it's that yeah. thing of just, like, everything so far is, like, a screaming cacophony is saying like this is too complicated do not interact yeah
1: in fact i something i find quite uncomfortable about the way that the DD community in general talks about being mixed race is that because race is seen as this rigid mechanized thing and as we talk, as i mentioned people don't like to change the thing um they get very you know particular about it's supposed to it's supposed to be like this and we can't change it so you can have half orcs you can have half elves but no if you want to make another kind of mixed-race character, that's a step too far. And what ends up happening is people kind of mock the very idea of wanting to play a mixed-race character who isn't the standard like two that we get. Um, to the point where like I've noticed that it's sort of the butt of a joke about like edgy players and players who write super long backstories and make too complex characters that are too complex some a part of that is always like, haha, they want to play a half Asimar, half half Kalashtar, multi-class, blah, 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 and they list off all these things and included in there is almost always some sort of like half this, half that race. Yep. Mixed like mixed race well, character. Which well, I is a joke. Yeah. Like I don't think it's deliberate, but it's an example of how the combination of this like heavily mechanized, rigid race race system in the game. Mm-hmm plus the racism and specific racism towards mixed-race people that's baked into a lot of fantasy media and d and comes together to make this atmosphere where people just don't think about the fact that that could be very upsetting for a mixed-race person to hear it constantly taken the piss out of.
7: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's really frustrating, and you bring this up a lot uh, in our chat. We have secret meetings. Anyway.
7: Uh- <laughs> the council. <laughs> <laughs>
2: where um, you talk about like the mechanization of race and the mechanization of being mixed race as a, as a part of that. And, you know, I, I keep struggling with that because part of me is like, you know, with all of these third party supplements that Sonia is talking about and anything that deals with race with regards to D and D specifically, you know, the big dragon game um, has to, because of the way that the game is structured, it's almost like y- you'd have to break down systems of the game and leave yourself at a mechanical disadvantage if you don't engage with it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, But it is frustrating. Like, On one hand, it's like I get people trying to fix it within the confines of this system. On the other hand, we're not analyzing the fact that this system exists on top of this game and it's completely unnecessary we need to understand uh, in this context you know what is a fantasy race why are we using this terminology Mm -hmm. okay if it's not a species where we're talking about completely alien beings uh, who are wildly biologically dissimilar um, versus you know uh, fantasy races with the connotation of that word in our modern lexicon, what it means, what it does. I think it's pretty telling that, like, I have my DD game, right? And it utilizes that sort of stuff, like Elf and an Orc. Um, biased, obviously. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, But in my other home game, I just use a completely different system. I'm running a fantasy game in like Cortex. Okay. Um, there are no racial systems in cortex that doesn't come up race, species, whatever. And we have a group where it's not just humans, you know, playing. And so the question that I keep getting, and I want to pose this to the group as well. Um, if you remove the mechanical race system in D and D, okay. Okay. And I'm asking this question because I think you already know the answer. Um, Why would a player even want to play the orc or the elf or the goblin or the whatever in that game if there's not a mechanical incentive to do so? Now, personally, in my home game, I have people playing that because regardless of the mechanical incentive, uh, they just wanted to do it. It's fantasy world. They want to engage with that. Um, So what, what do you all think about that?
4: i'm I'm gonna say as someone who's not played like i've only played one long-term character that i can talk more about in a bit but my sense has been that the race of my character hasn't really made that much of a difference it's more class like a lot of the stuff that happens is through class and i don't know how much race factors into it but i also chose a a race from Unearthed Arcana, so it's not as set. It's not as developed in a lot of ways, I think, which is partly why it was appealing. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have to read through a whole bunch of stuff, and there was more room for me to do, like, what I wanted with the character. But I don't know. That's just my impression as someone who is not as immersed in a lot of the mechanics and the background stuff
6: i think that so I, I i totally get where you're coming from kimchi because i i have found the um kind of the so so right now fifth edition is there you know volo's guide to monsters the lore in there Morton canaan's tomb of foes a lot of the lore regarding races has kind of been wiped away in favor of the new tasha's rules which are basically official you know how you should play the game assign your ability scores however you want uh and, and I like that, but I also feel that to a certain extent um, it's also kind of throwing away a lot of lore that doesn't necess- that, that needs to be rewritten and reformatted in a way that you know, works within the confines of the Dragon game. Yeah, you, like, yeah, you, the Dragon game um, encourages you to play races because of certain mechanical benefits. Um, there's a difference between having a mechanical benefit that might stem from a race's culture... Or practices versus, oh, you're an orc, you take a minus two to intelligence. Like, I think what we need to do is we, you know, um, specifically in DD, need to kind of move away from this framework where bioessentialism is reinforcing the ability boosts mm-hmm. and the ability decreases that a race gets and start delving more into, you know, things regarding culture. And that requires a complete rewrite of the expectations and the lore in some cases of the game. And I think that's probably what we're going to see in 6th in edition. So, I mean, I, I play a lot of, uh, or I don't play, I run a lot of Pathfinder 2nd edition, and um, there is more nuance in the character creation system just because, just through simple things like for half-elves and half-orcs, they are included uh, as um, heritages under the human section, but they say you don't have to be a human to have like a half-orc baby or a half-elf baby. You can be another race. And then they have this thing called versatile heritages, uh, where it's like any ancestry can be an asmar or a tiefling or a changeling you can be a gnome tiefling uh you don't have to solely be kind of like the tiefling in 5e which has horns and is red and has a tail you can manifest that mixed race connection with devil kind through any flare of your character in order to make it more yours and i think that's kind of where i hope D&D might move towards in later editions just adding more nuance and not being bound to this whole idea that oh i'm going to play an orc therefore i have to be stronger because biologically that is in my dna
5: yeah like because if we move further away from the bio essentialist stuff then you know it will be for the better because like oftentimes like kind of going back to what as i said like in terms of like mixed race characters also being jokes and kind of tying in a little bit to what um, jeremy was mentioning uh, another thing i often see is if there are a if the mixed race character is not a joke, they are specifically designed as a mixed race character to be the strongest. They pick the best traits from one Mm -hmm. parent and the other parent. And basically they make a fucking super soldier to break the DM's game, which gives me a little bit of some eugenics vibes of just like, I'm going to pick the best traits from this thing. I'm going to pick the best traits from this thing. I'm like, Oh uh, honey repeat what you just said several times and think mm-hmm. about it for a second yeah. it's
1: always white people who it's always it. white people <laughs> yeah.
5: and then or like on the other hand like and i know this really sounds strange coming from me because i am an artist i am a character designer i want to make my characters look cool another reason why people sometimes make mixed race characters is for pure aesthetic reasons which makes me think of like ooh, mixed race babies are so cute i'm like yeah. no stop <laughs> and just like it just and i know that sounds strange coming from me as a character designer and illustrator but like it's it's the language and the carelessness that people toss these terms out and just yeah. i think it does have a lot to do with just again the, the mechanization of these things and how if we like i actually didn't know that about pathfinder and i actually really in, like enjoy that kind of like how they handle that and I actually kind of going to look into that like after this, like, but yeah.
2: For me, a lot of things that tackle bioessentialism and try to conquer that demon inside of the RPG world just fumbles right into cultural essentialism. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand kind of the negative That's connotations true, yeah. that can come into that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if we were to say real world style, well, if you pluck anyone from anywhere in the world and put them in China, they're suddenly good at math. Like it's, When you put it into those terms, uh, you can see, well, that's, that has nothing to do with their biology, but you're still making assumptions, racist assumptions about a person's culture. Okay. Um, I I use my brother and I as an example. Okay. I'm terrible at math. I'm a lawyer. I don't use math. When do I use math? Right. My my background is in rhetoric. It's in discussion. It's negotiation. I'm really good at that stuff. Right. That's what I do all day, every day. He is literally a math professor. He's phenomenal at math. Has nothing to do with his cultural background. It has nothing to do with his racial background. It is literally his job. Okay. And if we look at what makes us who we are in an aptitude sort of sense, what are we skilled at? What can we do well? uh, And things like that. Like the reason why I can use chopsticks is not because I was born Korean. It's because I have practiced my whole life. Right. Um, So there is to me, this this fine line and it goes into what Issa was saying, you know, it, mechanizing culture and mechanizing race almost like it's almost as bad um when we try to do that, you know? Um so if we were to say something like uh orcs are really good with axes or dwarves are really good with hammers, it sounds benign. But it's just a cultural thing they you know. But there is going to be people in an orcish society or a dwarf society. They've never lifted a hammer in their lives, okay? Um, and I think we—I I don't know. I part of me thinks there's almost too much baggage surrounding culture and race to try to mechanize any part of it, and we should just uh, fall back into like why is education and occupation not your skills? Mm-hmm. Why, why why do we not consider those types of things? You know, it, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I think it's a, it's an interesting topic to tackle. And I don't know if I've seen anybody do it really, really well. I've seen yeah, some I, really good attempts, but I don't it, know. If it, I've um, seen I,
6: I think there's like a fine line. Like you know, when I think of culture, like I, I guess I'm not thinking of you know, all dwarves can use axes because you know that that's just a thing in their culture. I, I think there is a there's a, there's a way to do it there, and I think that's what I, I was thinking of in my brain. But I think it's really hard because you need to break away from that culture culture essentialism sort yeah. of mindset. But,
1: that's the thing is like because of D and D's history with mechanizing race and where that stems from in fantasy media in general, you get a lot of this like. Planet of Hats stuff, where it's like, well, they're a dwarf, so they are like this, as opposed to people being allowed to be varied and um, and diverse from one another, even within their own culture. And And I feel like as much as we can try to improve upon the issues with race in d and I, I feel like no matter what, ultimately, we are only able to go so far because it's still going to be mechanizing race to an extent and therefore it's going to lead to issues um, like mechanizing race essentially incentivizes people to treat being mixed race as like a grab bag of mechanical advantages and personality traits um, if they are not someone who has like thought to, like thought much more deeply into it than that um, and, and even people who have thought deeply into it can fall into that pitfall because the game is incentivizing it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, like I said earlier, like I've, I've drifted away from d and come back to it with the thought of like, well, I'll just do what I want with it. And I'm very happy doing that within my own games, but that doesn't mean that that's what everybody else is doing. Um, and it was, I find it very interesting that when I did drift away from d d the system I went to at the time was Quest, um, which is a system I still love. Uh And I went to that system not only because I felt like it was very streamlined, very dyslexic friendly, very accessible in general, but also because there is no there's no race. Mechanically, there's no race. You just you pick your your um, I think role is what they call it in that game. I can't quite remember now. Um, You pick your class and everything is based on that. And, And in terms of the way your character looks and their culture and everything, you just decide that for yourself. And it, it seems so silly to just be like, well, the, the solution is just not to have race mechanized. Like, that seems like duh, obviously. But, like, it was very freeing because I feel like games, because DD is the big one and DD mechanizes race, people feel like they have to to an extent a lot of the time. And to just lose that completely for, like, an entire campaign over like the course of a year was very freeing or I just went like okay well my character is from this city which is very heavily Arab coded she's a brown-skinned woman she happens to have pointed ears but that doesn't really matter like she's not an elf she's just a person with pointed ears because I thought it looked cool kind of thing um mm-hmm. was actually very freeing but then coming back to d I felt like it also gave me some tools with which to think more deeply about the way in which D&D mechanizes race and how to do away with some of that for myself in my own games um, yeah. It's, yeah it's
2: funny because it's like it's completely arbitrary you know mm. um, why is race mechanized why is education like I said not something that we track why is training or um, apprenticeship not something that we necessarily track in a mechanical way in the game what we do mechanize and what we don't mechanize are all choices that are made And they're arbitrary choices that are made by the designers. Gygax and Arneson, way back when, decided to mechanize race. Mm -hmm. Okay? There is no obligation that we have in this day and age to follow that in DD or otherwise. Uh, I've played tons of games where race has never come up as an issue Mm -hmm. and it's not mechanized. You know? I've played games where it's just modern world maybe with a twinge of fantasy or with a, a little bit of cyberpunk or a spy game or zombies or whatever. And, um, you know, my characters will be of certain, um, you know, cultural ethnic skin color or whatever. Um, and it's not a mechanical thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, we should be asking ourselves uh, in the design process of these games and future games, what are we going to mechanize and why are we going to do it? Why we're choosing the specific things that we're choosing to mechanize. Mm
7: -hmm.
3: I think also part of the issue is, you know, going back even to like Tolkien, right? Is the conflation of race and culture, right? That you have the dwarven kingdom, you have uh, the elves, you know you have the humans or you have a couple different humans you know uh and it's just the this idea of like there's you know throughout all of human history there's absolutely no way that it's not it's impossible that there's this idea that if you are of a certain race or ethnicity you must therefore be of a very very specific culture you know people have a tendency to pick up their bags and walk places. You know, they have a tendency to go everywhere. Uh and so this idea that because we we see it in the mechanization of of these uh races in D&D and in other fantasy games where some of those uh mechanics have really nothing to do with even bioessentialism, they have everything to do with culture. So they've kind of mashed it all together and you have to try to extricate that in the process of trying to deliberate on what to mechanize or what not to mechanize, Mm -hmm. which also becomes a huge issue because that becomes sort of the default of what everyone assumes. And the issue with when that becomes a default is when you get into things like how wizards new sort of, I, I guess modus operandi is to just delete text as opposed to writing better or new text or writing options for like GMs, for instance, they go off of what they understand, and almost everyone understands Tolkien, right? Almost everyone understands things like that. And so they're gonna start building the exact same thing that we just deleted.
1: Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. which is a huge issue.
3: Something... What options? Oh, oh sorry,
6: sorry, you said I was gonna I was gonna ask building off of what Drew just said, what options, more options make things perhaps a little bit better? because I feel like that might be what DD might be moving to towards in the future instead of saying, uh, you automatically get these stat boosts because you're a dwarf or an orc, whatever, presenting you with like, I mean, uh, presenting you with a whole bunch of different things that you can choose, or like your culture might encompass these various feats that you can pick from, or whatever. Would that make things better, or just still be too rigidly defined within the framework of mechanizing culture and race?
3: You know, per- personally, I would say I-, I would like to see it as a system where. You know, you have sort of those floating two stat bonuses that you can choose to do with whatever you want. And that can absolutely reflect things like training or occupation rather than some sort of strange bioessentialist uh, norm. Uh, and then, honestly, I personally would love the idea, and I know that there are folks who have absolutely uh, implemented this or have created products about this, is have a point value system. where you have different basically features or mechanics that you can purchase for your character and you can talk with your gm about like okay what would be appropriate for this culture and your GM can go okay well based on these sort of focuses you know here's a list of options you know and you can kind of combine that with the background you can kind of create this much more open-ended system that can please both those people that really want to min-max as well as those that want to more accurately represent the idea that they're trying to put forward for their character. You know, when we, when we talk about things like what we're talking about, you know, there's that side of the audience that pushes back because of race or bio because they either want these things or they don't really understand the issue but something that they can also understand is that it's just more options. You know, D&D players love options. <laughs> this is just more options, you know? I do
6: wonder if putting the Otis on the, you know, the the, the, the GM is... Like, I, I always... That's one thing I, I do struggle with in 5th edition. A lot of things are kind of hand waved and are like, talk with your GM or work yeah. with your yeah. GM about this. And that's my only problem with something like that. And that's where I think the fine line kind of, at least for me, exists between how much does the the, the system itself define, oh, such and such a race's culture or backgrounds or traditions versus how much you want to just say, oh, you know, leave it up to your dungeon master. Because there are instances where, you know, I might make a character where I really want mixed race heritage to be reflected in the abilities and the feats that I've chosen, but my dungeon master just doesn't get it. And therefore I can't do anything that actually mm. gets to the heart of what I want in my mind that, that is the struggle for me. Yeah. Like, I think a just, big,
1: um, Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, I was say, a big, I think a big part of it is also, we have the mechanical side of it and then we also have the law side of it. And I've noticed, I had pointed out to me recently um, by someone that uh, they were talking about the uh, the critical role like setting books and the way they treat half-orcs, half-elves being mixed race in general. And these were the books where I remember, I haven't like read them cover to cover or all that, but I remember when they came out people saying, oh he took away, Matt Mercer took away the minus two to intelligence that orcs get, so therefore he's fixed orcs. That was the narrative, I remember. And then someone sent me screenshots from the book of the way in which in the lore, orcs and half-orcs are talked about. And I was actually horrified. (laughs) And, And again, it's that thing from before of like, I wasn't shocked because it's something I've seen a million times before, but I was shocked because I had seen people talking so positively about these books. And saying, well, they took away the mechanical disincentivization to play an orc of a particular class. Um, But then in the law text, it has things about how half-orcs are born out of sexual assault. And how half-orcs aren't accepted by particular sides of their family. And refers to them with language like savages and stuff like that. And so it's it's just the same... I, I can't remember because they sent me the screenshots out of context, but it might be Exandria or it might be a different one. But, Wild Mount book, yeah. Um, or it could be Wildmount. Mount. Um, I think the screenshots were actually from multiple books, mm. um, but yeah, it just it was the same shit again and again. And people had been praising this because it took away a little mechanic mechanical uh Mm -hmm. disincentivization it's like but the law was still awful and that needs to change if people's attitudes towards the way they make their characters are going to change because if they read that law and see that same shit again it reinforced it reinforces it but if they see new ways to approach the idea of an orc culture or an orc person an individual or a half orc in the text then it will actually make them stop and Think.
6: I think i think eberron's orcs are better than most in D because in they do present them as a far cry from you know the barbarians and savages that are in so many other settings i mean critical role for all of its you know good things it's still rooted in D lore it's still rooted in like mm-hmm. fourth edition specifically mm-hmm.
5: um the changing so. of the orcs and it's like we, they removed the bonuses but they still have the language it's like we changed it from mongrel men to mongrel folk. Guys. Yeah. It's gender inclusive it. Yay! We
1: yeah. <laughs> did it! Oh,
2: oh gender-inclusive <laughs> racism. Woo! I gotta I gotta steal that one. That's too good. Um,
1: this is this is something I've been thinking about a lot, is this this idea of like you can change the mechanics, but if you don't change the flavor text, if you don't change the law, you're not doing anything. You're just it's icing a- on the shit cake. Yeah,
5: yeah,
4: yeah. And, and like, look into shit. <laughs> or what I- some people call polishing a turd. I- yes.
3: <laughs> well, and I, I think from uh, from my from my point of view, or my I guess anecdote, to put it this way, a minus two has never affected how I felt during a session, how I was portrayed, or how experiences similar to me were portrayed in a session, based on lore. Has absolutely dictated how I felt about a session. Yep. You know, I have, when I, over the course of making a character, seen you know bio have been like, nah, like I this is really yeah. I, this is very frustrating for me. But once I get into play, it's it is the lore, it is the world in which I'm supposed to reside for the next yeah. three four hours. Yeah, that is what dictates how I end up feeling.
1: Yeah, yeah, the assumptions that other people at the table make about the character you've chosen yeah. to play. So like, I, you know, I. As a, as it's a small minor example, but I at one point played a uh a half orc, half-earth Genasi wizard, uh who oh. I love very much. She's an adorable archaeologist. She gets very excited about cool rocks. Um and hey. I hey.
3: <laughs> we got we got two archaeologists and here. I, so I, like, hey rocks. Nice.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> and I so I
1: wanted her rocks. to I wanted her to be this like very joyful um very intellectual joyful character who finds a lot of happiness in her like academic pursuits and i made a point of when i described her as saying she's quite slim slender her clothes look like they're a bit too big for her like they're maybe hand-me-downs and people just kind of ignored that and at one point someone was like i'm gonna stand behind the big orc lady while this person is threatening me and i was like but i specifically described her as slim and slender and short." and, and not buff mm-hmm. and it's a small thing but it made me think about the fact that the way in which I had very deliberately tried to undercut the stereotype was ignored even when I made a point of doing it mm-hmm. um, and people still slipped into the the stereotype of well it's, she's an orc she's a wizard but she's still got to be buff because she's a half orc right thought, yes um, <laughs> I'm not saying the there's, there's anything though. wrong with it. I mean, like, like, no, right? Like yeah, like, like, that, that would be that's, cool.
7: that's, yeah, But that, that wasn't that what I was, was a playing.
5: Weird play. behind a piece of paper. Come on. That's really <laughs> weird.
6: If you know that she's a wizard, like still, why would you stand behind her? That is weird. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is some weird racist, like weird yeah. subconscious racism yeah, going it's, like it's,
1: yeah, it was entirely subconscious, I'm sure. But it, but it just, yeah. it was like, it was a very stark but small example to me of how even when you try to subvert the expectations there's so much work you have to do to subvert them. You can't like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. It's like, it's like, it has to do with like, I could like with my, like, for example, with my air genasi, I could like, you know, have the element of like, you know, you know, a little bit got picked on for being different for me as a kid, but I can I, and I make it a point in her story that she is so much more than her trauma. It does not form some of her personality traits and whatnot, but she's so much more than that. She loves her family. Their family owns a business. Her, her and her dad teach like fitness and self defense classes. Her mom runs a cafe. Their family is in a bunch of money trouble, so she does underground wrestling slash fighting at night <laughs> on every other weekend. She is a masked oh, yeah. wrestler. Oh, we all. Nice. <laughs> yeah, <I guess. laughs> <laughs> average, average Saturday night, True. but she's so much more than her trauma. But if you're like in the wrong circles, or the people are just so entrenched in those like you know past stereotypes, they could still completely forget it. No matter how much you try to drive the point home, like no, they're not like this. There's still a little, there can still be a little bit of that undercurrent of this that they're not willing to mentally let that go, and it has to do with again the mm. emotional labor and just trying to freaking yeah. unscrew
1: that shit. Yeah. In fact, That's a point, I tell- point, I oh sorry, Kimchi.
2: It's just every time that you try to include something like that, someone tries to be uh, a smart ass or try to hold on to the ancient lore, ancient, whatever
4: Um, (laughs) you can call it ancient.
2: uh, It's the, the (laughs) Tolkien lore and, uh, (laughs) um, and, and, and we'll fight tooth and nail to keep that, you know, you brought up the black elves previously uh, and all that Uh, when, when that came out, and uh, I've been doing a lot of research on like POCs throughout specifically European history because of that. I was like, this is not a thing. Um, and there were black Africans in England prior to the Anglo-Saxon migration. So mm-hmm. before Anglo-Saxons came in, made up the Anglo-Saxon population of England, mm-hmm. black people were there. Um, so like it's, it's so frustrating. This mentality that POC didn't exist before 1600. Like we just emerged from the ether. (laughs) Did
5: you know that black people didn't exist before civil rights? Come
1: on. The earth
4: split (laughs) open and then suddenly. Yeah. Yeah. In
5: 1945,
1: the wind rush arrived in Britain and that's when all people of color arrived. It wasn't 1945, but whatever.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But it's so weird to me that you get pushback. Um, by trying to introduce poc characters into what may or may not be a predominantly white european esque setting Mm. who cares if it's a predominantly white european-esque setting um people travel yeah
1: Yeah. like
2: my like the the idea of poc in europe is literally in my dna being spanish uh (laughs) like you know, we did the whole DNA testing and stuff like that. And it's like one in 10 people in Spain have North African, uh, genetics. Okay. descended from the, um, like the Umayyad Caliphate or the, uh, Caliphate of Cordoba and all the subsequent, um, uh, I don't want to use an archaic term cause it might be offensive, uh, <laughs> to modern sensibilities because of the historic stuff, but, um, but basically that North African, um, conquest of spain and i am one of those so you know my ancestors colonized my ancestors who then later rebelled and then those ancestors colonized my other ancestors who then later re- anyway it's complicated yes, but like but
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it shows this uh, like, lack of understanding of actual history exactly when like people have been there the trying to claim yeah like when time. people when people try to claim well this setting is based on some European country or some amalgamation of European countries, therefore there can be it's people of colour It's always been there. this way. I'm just like, have you not heard of the Moors? You need to sit down and <laughs> shut up and go read something about the Moors, like, immediately. Go read about Cordoba in Spain, a city where, like, Spanish Catholics, Jewish people, and Moorish Muslims all lived together, very integrated up until the Inquisition came along, and we know what happened there. But, like, mm-hmm. there is literally a mosque in Cordoba, this huge, beautiful mosque. And when all the Muslims were expelled from Spain, they built a church inside it. Like you can literally see the blending of cultures, not done in like a nice way, but it's there. (laughs) Like it's like the architecture of the city has Muslim architecture integrated into it. Mm -hmm. Like It's not just just... picked aesthetic. It has cultural cultural and historical precedents
5: as to why it's there. They didn't just put it there because it's pretty
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the and the same folks that you know want to almost willfully not believe this or not want to entertain these ideas are also the same people that'll pick up their mic and go like well you know in 1021 ad the vikings got to america you know and it's mm-hmm. like like you're telling me that that's like that's cool like that's yeah. fine you know no, what i'm saying?
4: through history <laughs>
3: it's always it, it is a big deal and totally believable and should be a part of the, the every day people... when white people go somewhere
1: <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah. white people of course would have the advanced boat technology to get that far, and no people of color ever, ever did that.
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, the Vikings went to America and brought them air conditioning. Like, it's, (sighs) you know, (laughs) whatever sort of bullshit they always always come up with.
4: Yeah. yeah, And yeah, in general, just as, like, go and do some research, but you will probably find in almost every place of the world that the drawing of lines based on something like race or even racialized culture or whatever
7: mm-hmm.
4: is a lot more recent mm-hmm. than you think because in japan yeah. there's that overall narrative of like you know the japanese ethnic majority whatever whatever but this idea of xenophobia or fear of racial mixture and all of that it's really recent mm-hmm. and now modern times like not as strong as some outsiders would like to think Like it's a lot more complicated and you kind of have to look into it and not just make that assumption that people have always distinguished each other and separated each other based on Mm. certain parameters. Mm -hmm.
2: Like the concept of the ethno state.
4: Mm.
2: Okay. The fact, the idea that you would have a monochromatic kingdom of Gondor or the elven kingdom at all is a little odd in the historical context Okay, and and you don't need to go into some sort of pre-agrarian society to find oh well these people were just moving around no like the classics era and medieval eras, um, and I'm using the Western definitions for that because you know Western education, but uh, like those eras are just littered with all of these different nations who were multi-ethnic as we would currently consider it. Okay. The Romans and their empire, the Mongols and their empire, the Huns who, you know, spanned both continents as well. Um, Like little figures in history that um, were so significant before they were literally whitewashed out of history by uh, Renaissance European historians, like St. Maurice, Um, Saint Maurice, sorry, I'm going on a little tangent because I've been doing this thing for the video. Uh, I'm gonna be releasing soon, but uh, Saint Maurice, whose name literally means dark skinned Maurice, more Maurice is that that's what it means. Um, was a black African Roman centurion (laughs) who had a legion in France and uh, in the French area, uh, what we would now call France, right? Um, And he died there. And there's, like, he's a hero. He's a saint in the Catholic Church. Uh, There's an abbey to St. Maurice in, uh, I want to say, somewhere uh, in in that area. may not be modern France, but somewhere in that area. Um, And his whole troop was there. And they were all from uh, a a black community in Egypt. Like, this was always happening. in, In all of these great empires that you know about, okay? But when you watch something like the TV show Rome or Spartacus. And it's just, in t- well, less so Spartacus. They were actually a little better about that. But, yeah, um, people there. Uh, <laughs> and you see this just like whitewashed empire.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. They don't even um, want to portray ancient Greeks and Romans as being olive skinned. Like they're just I so know. pasty. And it's like, can we at least get some like olive skinned Greeks up in here? We can't I even have put that. these actors in the sun, please.
2: <laughs> Brad Pitt, just doesn't look <laughs> greek to me
1: <laughs> no. but that's the thing we get this like really fixed homogenous view of the ways in which race has been in the real world in europe and then DD and the majority of ttrpgs and fantasy media bases their worlds upon that but doesn't actually base it upon like the accurate historical mm. knowledge bases it upon the media that preceded it mm-hmm. which was whitewashed and so it's mm-hmm. whitewashed media preceded by whitewashed media preceded by whitewashed media and so, so we end becomes, up with like, this like really rigid idea of what race and ethnicity means in a fantasy setting um, asterisk European fantasy setting um, and like oh for a second I thought you were talking <laughs> about the, the comic book asterisk I, I, was <laughs> I <was> a kid <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I have, I
5: have like,
6: some of the recent fantasy shows that have got, uh, portrayed a more multicultural society. Um, like, The Witcher has its faults, but I do like how there's people of color in there. Um, I was very which,
5: excited when I saw that kid, and he took off his hat, and he was a, he was a black elf. I'm like, which, finally! Which a
6: lot of people have objected to. Um, there's a, a major objection to the uh, yeah. show is that it's... <sighs> Basically, like Jennifer is not white and doesn't look like how she looks in the games and stuff like that. And and you know this this usually runs concurrent with the idea that like the Witcher Netflix show has wiped away all the Polish flavor from the series, which I can kind of see. But if you're using that argument to say like why are there black elves, then that's yeah. where I start to disagree with you. Yeah. And then there's also like uh, another series which does have its flaws, but I've liked it for its portrayal of mixed race people. Is the Wheel of Time because most of the major characters in there are mixed race, and. That was really fun for me to see as a viewer, um, to see how they took these characters that were probably you know, meant to be white in the original books and then transposed mm-hmm. them into a setting where they're all, almost all played by mixed-race actors. Um, okay. And the series has also gotten a lot of flack for that too, which yeah. once again reinforces the effect that older fantasy media has had on generations.
7: Yeah. Yeah.
4: It's just like, I why does that like, ruin it for you?
1: <laughs> I, I, I haven't watched Wheel of Time and I haven't read the books, don't really know anything about it. I it's, the it's, thing it's, that...
6: it's got its problems, but I do recommend it for watching mixed race people play okay. important pivotal characters.
1: Yeah, I think like obviously hearing about Shadow and Bone, which we touched on last time. And then watching The Witcher, which, which, which literally I ended up hate watching it with my partner. It was we watched all it's all enough. the way until se- in the end of season two, and I was just like, I fucking hate this show. You <laughs> went through <laughs> all of <the laughs> like <laughs> You hate watched that many episodes. Yeah, I know. I I got a really bad injury in January, and I was kind of bedridden for a bit. So I was just you like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lie here and seethe watching the show. <laughs> 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 and, and like rewatch
2: Warrior, okay.
1: <laughs> it struck me was just like okay so you in the in some of these modern series they are they're clearly aware that fantasy is very white very eurocentric mm-hmm. and they are trying to be more diverse but usually the showrunners are white or it's mostly white people and so the way they do that is to just kind of go like well it's still european fantasy but there's a black guy and a mixed race woman and yes. there you go and people are racist to elves and so they're still repeating the same problems. Hmm. The same lore is there, but they've changed the surface level
6: mechanics.
7: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
6: Adapting older media and trying to do it in a you know 21st century lens, which therein comes the disconnect, because you're going to always have that group being like, How dare you make these people that I imagined as white non-white. Versus yeah. the original intent of the author, which was, you know, to create a story in a Eurocentric setting versus, you know, how you might want to make a more multicultural depiction of a story today. You have these three yeah. com- clashing viewpoints that are always going to cause a little yeah. volcano eruption. Everything yeah. and they I, another, I,
2: oh, sorry. I try to be a little bit more forgiving for this sort of thing because like we are not the audience for that diversity. We yeah. know better. The audience for that diversity is trying to get the spoonful of sugar to let the medicine go down. So when we see that sort of thing, I keep thinking to myself, this is not for me. This is not for me to feel included. This is not for me to feel represented. This is for the white audience to get used to the idea of seeing someone that looks kind of like me on screen in their fantasy and so we can that
7: get past so, <laughs> it's,
2: it's yeah. like so we a can get past Lord of yeah. the Rings, it's getting past <laughs> yeah. the wheel of time and the witcher and all this sort of stuff so we can like throw in some nk jemisin and actually get some stuff in there you yeah. know it's like because because the book world of fantasy while still having its issues. Um, I think as far surpassed visual media, like uh, television and movies. And I know that there are some deals to get adaptations to some of that work, but a lot of that hinges on the financial viability of these quote unquote classics and Titans of the genre from getting done. And it is sad. It is frustrating. Um, you know, it's, it's being told yet again, the time isn't right and they're not ready.
1: Yeah. Another thing I've I've noticed with those, with these series that are like adapting something that's thought of as like white and European and then adding some POC characters into it is that POC characters get added in very particular places as very particular roles. So like Yennefer has this story that revolves, she's played by a mixed race actress, her being mixed race in terms of how the actress is actually mixed race, is not the way in which the mixed race portrayal is bad. It's the fantasy. She is part elf and therefore discriminated against shit. But she goes through all, and she goes through all this pain, and the character is also disabled, and there's a whole ableist now na- curing narrative and all that shit. Jennifer's pretty awful, like for gender, race, which, which and actually
6: ableism. not in the books entirely. Like, they, oh, really? The arc, the arc in the TV show has been created to flesh her out more, and it's been created with good intentions. But I definitely see where you're coming yeah. from. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. but like, but yeah, so this character who goes through a lot of pain and ostracization and othering and marginalization she gets to be a person of color and then we have um other characters say like the the couple of black characters that you see around like fringilla and characters whose names i can't remember because they're not mentioned enough and i didn't pay enough attention but like you get like the black royal guardsman who dies and you get the black elf who barely speaks and at first you think he might not even be able to speak and then there's another black elf who is literally deaf and can't speak and then dies and fringilla who turns out to be evil and it's just yeah even when they're adding the, diversity the, the yeah it's either characters who are disposable characters who are in servitude or characters who have to go through a lot a lot of pain
5: yeah, um, I've seen that a lot with, um, particularly into the Badlands, which I still haven't seen the final season. Season, even though my man Lewis Tan is in it, I'll get to it. I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> but like in the first season, I really, really enjoyed it because it was like focused on you know um, MK and Sunny and their story, and I really liked it because there was a, a interracial relationship between Sunny and Vale, and it was just like oh, this is great. The second season, I started noticing that like a lot of the characters that were the ones doing the heavy lifting and the heavy suffering and getting beat up the most Uh or just mentally tortured were all people of color while all the white characters were just perfectly fine getting the big narrative sweeps and then by the end of the second season like i was just like watching it i'm not gonna spoil it but i was like don't do the thing i know you want to do don't fucking do oh you did it i'm out I'm out. I, I, I you did the thing. This.
6: I struggle with this a lot in the comic book world and in comic book movies. Like I just watched the Batman the other day. Commissioner Gordon is portrayed as black. Jeffrey Wright does an awesome job. But yeah, you, so you would make Commissioner Gordon black, but I don't think we're ever going to see a black Batman on screen. Mm-hmm. There is often this concession that we will make the side characters POC yeah. and very uh, particularly, TV actually, yeah, uh, Supergirl TV series. Jimmy Olsen black. I mean, uh, yeah. sure, fine, that, that's great, but like you're like giving us these little things around the edges and and you know like kimchi said i think it's not for us i think it's fine in a way but i do also struggle with getting annoyed at the fact that you know even in the comic book world you have things like uh, there's like a black batman now in the comic books but he's not like the main batman and daniel in our chat brought up the batwoman show which is a black batwoman but that was also a recasting um mm-hmm. and it feels like oh the white batwoman left and so now we're bringing in this side character and That's probably one of the more prominent examples that I've seen, but almost always it's kind of these tertiary characters or recasts or, you know, um, we've we've given the idea a chance to settle. So now let's introduce, you know, the the spice that is the person of color.
1: And even like, again, Daniel has brought up Miles Morales in our chat. Everyone here loves Miles Morales. Miles Morales is great. Into the Spider-Verse, amazing movie. But is Miles Morales considered the main Spider-Man?
6: He's no, considered no. the side Spider-Man he's and a considered lot he, of Brooklyn Spider-Man yeah. and a lot of people uh, who read his comics object to the fact that he kind of goes through a lot of the same narrative arcs that Peter Parker has gone through. And they're mm-hmm. like, I mean, he's a great character, but it is an issue, I think. Yeah.
1: And very specifically, I just want to mention, because you talked about the Batman, which I haven't seen, didn't know that a black actor had been cast to play Commissioner mm-hmm. Gordon, but there is a trend with... Um, casting sorry just hit my microphone there is a trend with casting um poc actors into particular roles as you said these tertiary or side uh secondary or tertiary side characters and there's a very particular thing in american media specifically where there are particular roles that are allowed to be fulfilled by black actors and the black police chief is one of them yeah. black yes. cop
6: the tech nerd yeah the uh these, these things that you you see them fall into and yeah i like i, I I think it's it's not it's not a bad thing but I think it is a sign of perhaps a lack of creativity or mm-hmm. almost a concessional mindset and almost a sign that we still have a long way to go before such a long like, way to go <laughs> yeah like like kimchi said we get to a world where oh you know batman or james bond or whoever could be played by a person of color and the world will not crap their pants and, yeah you know i mean the, the world couldn't even deal with you know a blonde dude daniel craig playing james bond like good god sure. i mean <laughs> yeah. even even though they or robert pattison being cast as batman even though now he's getting praised to high health so good god you know
1: yeah yeah. imagine I, um, if
6: an asian actor was put in that role
1: <laughs> we we have some time left and i something i have just thought of is i would like to talk about we've talked about, like, our own characters and stuff. I'd kind of like to circle back to that because we've just talked about critiquing more media representations of people of colour and yeah. mixed-race people, and I would kind of like to circle back to, like, our own creations a bit, um, and because the, the topic of this was supposed to be how we represent ourselves and then we just went off, which is fine <laughs> because that's what we always have happens. <laughs> we have grievances that need to be aired. Um, and I we were talking when we were talking about D. we were talking about um this idea of culture versus race versus mechanics versus law and i know that i've been working on something that like i feel okay to talk about <laughs> um where i'm very specifically trying to make a D supplement that will sort of be a form of, like, hopefully altering some of that in the way that, like, Genassia portrayed. But before I go off, I would like to see if anyone else would like to go off <laughs> about, like, your own characters, your own worlds that you've GM'd, um, anything like that.
3: Sure. So for me, so I don't really have that many examples. And I remember saying in in our group chat, like, that's a whole other story. You know, that's a whole other thing. It's like, why, why don't we or why don't I, you know, Mm -hmm. try to play those kinds of like mixed characters. But um one character I try to play, or still am. We've I've been playing him for over three years now. <laughs> he is level seventeen from level one, so we're doing all right for ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he's very busted. But I had decided from day one, because I am always like this about things. Uh, I am not going to ease into it. I am just gonna deep dive. But I decided to deep dive into like more of like how I felt in terms of trauma. Because, you know, I think on the outside, I have always been, I, I grew up being like one of two, uh, well, t- sorry, one of three Asian kids that I knew. And so it was always, for me, very much a badge of honor. It made me different from people. And because of that, people paid attention to me, which I liked, you know. Um, but this was sort of my way of exploring the the negative side of it, the the parts that kind of hurt or made me feel different. in in a bad way. Um, And uh, like any, you know, I think TTRPG player, there's a risk of me talking and then it won't stop. So to be very (laughs) specific about an event uh, and talking about when playing a mixed character like that went wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, where it didn't go well. Um, And in this particular case, um, my character had lost his powers. Um, he was in a big upset and, and lost what he was able to do. And through a quest, got it back, but it got back a much more powerful version of it. Basically started to get on the road to Godhood, which is what all of the characters are on now. Uh, and, when he absorbed that power. So uh well, this is probably important to say. Uh the character was a tiefling, So already I was like, ah, the morality of being mixed, you know, <laughs> like the morality of being different uh was a huge was, was a huge thing. And and how people perceive you if they perceive your existence as being evil. Because in the setting, everyone's basically kind of chill with each other, except for tieflings. Flings. Everybody hates tieflings, flings, which is, you know, uh problematic. But we had all previously agreed to it, right? We had agreed that this was something that we wanted to talk about. And when I absorbed all that power uh, as a character, I was asked to describe how it went. And I was kind of prompted by the GM to do this. I described myself as no longer a tiefling. And the person I described in their place after all of the uh, like impurity or the evil was shed, was basically like Clark Kent. You know, <laughs> you know, just very chiseled, sort of Superman-ish kind of figure. And it didn't sit well with me. Something about it just didn't sit well. And I was trying to figure that out over the next few weeks, and I was talking to the GM, and I started to realize, oh, because in my brain, Tiefling, for me, is is my heritage and that's the way i interact in the setting with my own uh mixed experience and i just fixed myself Mm. Mm. you know all the things that hurt all the things that you know caused me pain i got rid of by becoming someone different you know instead of you know telling the world to move i moved i i changed myself And, uh, didn't like that, you know, real uncomfortable. I was, I I realized, I think in that moment, how deeply ingrained whiteness was in terms of how I interacted with my own, uh, uh, kind of experience because everything around me is by and large white, you know, all of the. You know, people that I'm told are supposed to be attractive are white. All of the heroes are white. Even you know, the villains, by and large, are oftentimes white. And so, that's what I went with in terms of my character. Um, and it just didn't it just didn't feel good. So, like that's an example of it going wrong. Now, thankfully, we had a we had a point because you know I have a great GM. Shout out to Gabe. Um, that uh, we brought it back around, and at a later point, I as a character made the conscious decision to go back to reverse that process, because how am I supposed to expect the world to change and be better and accept what it is? If I don't also do that myself. Right. And so he went back and it was a very, very cathartic experience. So overall went very well very positive. But yeah, that was, I wanted to bring that up because that's an example of like, Mm When you get in too deep you
5: know, with, yeah, yeah. with
3: the trauma and you take it a little too far and it just doesn't go the way you would want it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so, sometimes right? you don't Sorry.
5: realize it, but you just wind up unpacking. like Like you said, you didn't realize you were doing it, but it's so baked in you that somehow this winds up coming out and then you sit like two sessions later, like, oh, wait, oh. You know, oh no. There's a reason no. for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the yeah. conspiracy board pops up and the threads all connect. And you're like, I got it. I connected the dots. Holy fuck. Yeah. yeah.
3: But it was also like, it was in many ways a, a solo experience because, like some other folks had talked about earlier, like for me, all of my uh, GMs have, except for Daniel, been white. But beyond that, they have been white surrounded by white. Like for most of my friends, I'm the only person of color at all that they are personally friends with, you know? So I am the gateway to all experiences you know, uh, for them. I'm the spokesperson for everybody. Apparently. That's
4: a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But,
3: but there's no one to know to check in on me
4: mm-hmm. yeah.
3: because of what happens, because uh, that, that happened and no one else was able to be cognizant because they have simply in that case, no experiences that would help them to key into my own uncertainty or that i just did something that i probably actually didn't like Mm -hmm. you know because they would have no notion to watch out for that kind of thing for them it's just good story you know right which it was it was good story but like you know (laughs) it it was uh it was more traumatic than i had expected to be you know
1: Mm -hmm. well i'm glad that they listened to you when you brought it up because oh
3: yeah they're great they're great white friends but (laughs) (laughs) they're doing they're doing good stuff
1: (laughs) i think um something i wanted to bring up earlier which i the conversation kind of moved on and then i was like oh it's not really relevant anymore but you just brought up like exploring actually exploring trauma through characters um i i know i realized uh with the character i mentioned earlier elise who's like someone who thought she was human and then realized she was Genasi and that was like a very big part of her story. Um, I I actually realized that I had un- subconsciously made it so that while, yes, there was a lot of trauma, sad backstory shit going on in her past, none of it was actually related to her being a Genasi. Like none of the trauma was racialized, which I find interesting that even though I feel like I... I did, like, edit some things about the story. Um, I very much, even when not consciously thinking about it, tried to edge away from making the fact that she was mixed-race coded traumatic for her and that discovering she was a genasi was actually a source of, like, interest and joy because it explained things about her that she hadn't understood before. Um, And as I mentioned before, I've played that character at a table where I wasn't allowed to explore the breadth of that character and in fact had that storyline kind of co-opted away from me by white people. Um, But now getting to play that character um, at a table where I feel very safe and very comfortable and feel like the character is very celebrated, um, getting to really dive into a person who not only believes she is human and then discovers she's a Janassi, and becomes like very immersed in trying to figure out what that means for her. But also a character who on top of that actually has a lot of like cultural trauma, but not to do with being a Janassi. It's because she was exiled from her homeland. So I've accidentally made this character accidentally. I've made this character who experiences, um, whose whose experiences growing up were being separated from her culture which is something that I experienced growing up but the way to explore that trauma was not through the Janasi aspect of her character the Janasi aspect of her character was always something positive which is something I felt was very important Um, and yeah that's just something I really love about, about getting to play that character like to her fullest now is like exploring all those nuances of like, this is someone who felt like they were not a part of where they came from, but then discovered this other thing about themselves that she now feels like she is a part of. And going through the whole gamut of like mixed race <laughs> feelings and diaspora feelings with that one character is, is very interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think another, I mean,
2: definitely be a tool.
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I, I think we should be able to explore these things through playing RPGs, but it's just something that has to be dealt with carefully and sensitively and has to be given, um, given the same amount of care by the other people around us as we're going to put into it, because people need to understand that if someone is exploring these issues at your table, it's going to be like very personal and important to them. Um, And it needs to be given that respect. If it is at a table with a lot of other people and those people are white or not mixed race, what have you. Um but I think another another interesting way to explore mixed identity through characters is also through the visual aspects of the characters, which Sonia brought up earlier. Um and <laughs> I know that you and me, Sonia, have talked about like art and design and um, as two people who, who draw and are artists <laughs> and stuff, and like I I know that I have um, kind of battled with this idea of like presenting a character as mixed race through visual design, very specifically because, and this is something that came up in the Al Kadim uh, podcasts, this idea of um, whenever Swana and South Asian culture is represented, it's often as this like mishmash of everything thrown together very carelessly by white people. And mm-hmm. I, someone brought up earlier the idea that when when we do it, it's us exploring something. When white people do it, it's carelessness. Um, And I know that specifically with Elise, her character design is one where I very thoughtfully included multiple elements of South Asian clothing, of Moroccan prop design, of like Arab clothing and different like visual cultural elements and kind of blended them together because that was something I wanted for the character. Um, And I'm wondering if you have um, anything else to share in terms of like visual design of characters portraying their cultural identity
5: yeah and i think it goes back again to my Fay fei at this point i'm just gonna be talking about fei she's my she's my favorite yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh so Faye's family is chinese like her parents are chinese and her and her brother are chinese but you know i code them as mixed in my head because you know they're erigenasi and they're not human and whatnot um, and like they're fully Chinese like I think me and my, uh, my the player who plays my brother yeah their parents face claims are Michelle Yeoh and Tom Wu so family of badass yeah. <laughs> but uh, one of the things I wanted to like when I was designing her and trying to figure out her character design because also I'm like hey time for a portfolio piece let's go um, <laughs> was trying to figure out like okay how am I gonna portray Faye's clothing and because I wanted to have like you know Elements of like traditional Chinese clothing, but also because she's now centered and lived ninety percent of her life in Waterdeep, which is largely Eurocentric and a little like quote unquote modern. I guess I would put it like, okay, what are the parameters? And so when I was I designed a bunch of her outfits. I did spring, summer, fall, winter, and her like fighting wrestling gear and whatnot. And the parameters for her was like one, okay, one, she has to show abs, and there has to be a crop top. <laughs> <laughs> that is a must. Dude, um, <coughs> She doesn't like sleeves. Um, and I wanted it specifically to be like traditional meets modern, but also avoid the stereotypical monk clothing because she is a monk class. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, when someone plays a monk, it's often like, the stereotypical monk clothing that you type in monk on pinterest monk D and they all have hand wraps same.
6: and a robe hand yeah. wraps
5: robe big poofy pants with the weird the, with the ties on it like some of those elements. the big beads yeah, the, the big beads <laughs> <laughs> so i wanted to avoid this so i started putting a bunch of stuff together for like her um pinterest board just for like and i can design outfits and what i wound up ending up with is basically kind of like a mishmash kind of and i guess it kind of i feel is a good representation of like how I portray her as mixed is like it's traditional Chinese clothing with touches of modern stuff. So I would even see like fashion blogs were like, you know, uh, uh, fashion bloggers in China, they would like take traditional clothing and like make it more modernized or something like that. Have that with like, um, Asian like traditional clothing mixed with like modern dance clothing. Like we would see when like the cool dance choreo videos in like the studios and stuff. And it's usually like, you know, baggy pants, crop tops, like cut up sweaters and all that stuff. And if you look at her design, it's like pretty much like a mish. I like to think I succeeded on it. People can look at it like, nah, you didn't, but I think I did (laughs) maybe, but like, it's like a mishmash of those. So I feel like, like subconsciously, I was trying to do like, okay, how do I portray these, these two things coming together to sim to, figure out this one person and yeah. how she presents herself and the
1: her background and where she currently is now yeah so it, it's a really fun thing to do <laughs> having having seen the character design like I fully I get that from it like yeah I, <laughs> I I think you succeeded and yeah like for me with with Elise like I mentioned like this idea of like a character who's wearing something that looks like a deconstructed sari has like sort of Moroccan patterns on it as well but then you mentioned modern clothing. I completely forgot to mention, like I I added in then elements of sort of more modern looking clothing because this character also grew up on an airship. So it's showing that while she wears elements of the like traditional clothing from the place that she comes from, um, she also has these like, you know, combat boots with fur, kind of like aviator looking uh, clothing, kind of punky with like spiked gloves and stuff like that to show that she's also on that sort of like separate from society, slightly different, like more modern looking worldview because she's left that place behind and is like in an area of like all constantly moving forward because she's yeah, a that bit That
5: visual indicator to show of mm-hmm. like, okay, here's where they were before, but also here's where they are now.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that can be so powerful to get to do with a with a with yeah. <laughs> you a character. bit of a little it he did it! <laughs> Fifty drafts later, yeah, yeah. There's definitely the process with the, with character design where you have to like you you know you have to iterate upon it a lot, and then when it all slots into place, and you go like, yes, that's it. That's the combination of elements that says mixed race, Swana, South Asian, Janassi, who lives on an airship. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. We did it, lads. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So you are trying to make it more complicated. Just- oh, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, but this is,
5: this is <laughs> us making it
1: complicated. This is our thing. Yeah, yeah. We're allowed to because... <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, <laughs> sorry. Just me and Sonia just off in our little corner talking about art and design. Like, <laughs> Sorry. Um- <That's> fascinating. <laughs> uh yeah does anyone else have any other like characters and stuff they want to talk about any cool like world building moments things like that
2: well for me I, ju- I just draw on history uh i'm a huge history buff and i feel like ugh, as odd as it may sound sometimes reality is is the uh is the solution like i base a lot in my homebrew world on the ancient roman empire and the Mongolian Empire. Um, during the continent. And so. You know you got to the Mongolian Empire. Where like was it the mayor of Beijing. Was from Iraq. At one point. Um, oh, the mayor of what was then. Or what, is, what is now Beijing. Was like from born and raised. Uh, in Iraq. But he was part of the empire. And he was really good at his job. So he just became <coughs> the mayor. Of that area. And. Um, And they're all over the place, but they are all members of this empire, right? And the Romans had this habit of taking legions from one area, like with the story of St. Maurice, um, and they would just pick up these groups of people that were part of the Roman empire at that point, conquered, um, and they would join the legions and they would transport them halfway across the world and just plant them there. And then, when their term of service had ended, they would retire and settle where they stayed. This way, they wouldn't be fighting their own people and they would feel, you know, Roman first and uh, be uh, in a completely different area of the world. So, in my world, you will find people of all different skin types, ethnicities, facial features, whatever, transplanted all over. And they will have traces of you know, great, 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 great grandpa was from wherever. And we still have certain things that traditionally come down from there and maybe certain features or communities that uh, exist inside of whatever place we're in now. But uh, you know, it's, it's a sort of mishmash of culture. It's a mishmash of history. Um, And people don't really care as much with regards to oh, you're from you're from that foreign land or whatever, because they trade. There's ports and people are always seeing people from the other parts of the world. So uh I, I just try to focus on that sort of what were classics and medieval era history actually like? How did people respond to that? Uh and use that as an example in my game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely I something I like to try and do as well, is not have at the very least, not have it be like this is the place where the elves live and only the elves. And this is the place where the dwarves live and only the dwarves. Yeah. It's like, it's like the fantasy equivalent <laughs> of a
5: middle school dance where you're just up against the walls and no one's around. Yeah. 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 Like,
1: cause that's not the way the world works. And yeah. like every city when, whenever, um, it's specifically in the campaign where I play Elise, because I, I get to contribute a lot of world building in this campaign because I think players should get to contribute world building. Cause it's, yeah. cause then they're connected yeah. to the world. It's cool. Um, something that we do very specifically is go like okay we're arriving in a new city what are the five or six main uh ancestries that you're gonna see here um and then there's also like a diversity of others like sprinkled throughout it rather than going like it's all elves maybe one human you go like okay well we're now in a very like a sort of more deserty regions so maybe we've got a good contingency of like lizard folk and kobolds mixed in with humans and orcs and goliaths and uh have also settled because there's like a mesa above it and stuff like that and like basically like treating the world not as (laughs) everyone living off in their separate little corners but as everyone having come together and their cultures merging together i think is very Mm -hmm. interesting and helps to combat some of that like very essentialist dnd world building mm-hmm. yeah. i even yeah. like including
2: okay. like differences between coastal city interior city like mm. the more you move away from a border the less the influence is of who was across the border mm. uh, and you see that sort of gradual fade so there'll be points where like uh the players will go from one city to another and they're like oh that's kind of different it's like yeah
5: yeah <laughs> exactly That <Yeah>, is it is <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
5: yeah, you like it's like yeah, of course it's going to be different. Venice Beach is so much more different than downtown LA. It's a whole different <laughs> two different things. Yeah.
1: It's also yeah, something like, in... Oh, sorry.
3: No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. Go. Um, go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say it's like, you know, in in my setting uh which is very similar in regards to like everyone's everywhere, you know, as any you know adventuring parties want to do they go everywhere they're mm-hmm. they're headed to every corner of the map if there's a if there's a dot on the map they're gonna see it at some point um but you know people will notice that they're not locals but you know they don't say ah you look different you know it's more like oh i noticed from your accent which is weird because none of them actually have accents but i would assume their characters do um but, you know, oh, I noticed by your accent. Oh, I noticed by the way you dress. Oh, you tried to pay with a currency that I don't recognize. <laughs> you know, things like that. You know, ways of telling difference, but that aren't so tied to specifically, like, what someone's actual physical appearance is. Because, yeah, if you're a bunch of humans and whatever, that's great. We got you, too. <laughs> you know, like, we yeah. like. there's no difference. Like, you're, everyone's everywhere for the yeah. most part.
1: yeah. Um, yeah, that's definitely kitty. something Sorry. kitty. <laughs> yeah, everyone yeah, I mean, we'll got very right. distracting.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I just, just keep talking about oh, oh, power through my god. Oh, wow.
1: Sorry, that dog oh, is just god. so intensely cute, I can't oh, handle puppy. it. Oh. <laughs> 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 Asians are presented We got the animals. <laughs> Oh,
2: my God. Adorable. Um, Am I going to have to get my cat now? Do I have to go get
3: my cat? I, have like a, I have, like, an empty Capri Sun pack. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: that's cute, too, I guess. It, I thank, have this little, this little fuzzy red panda that my friend got me. Oh, Does cute. that count? I, I also have a red panda.
4: I have, I a, have a garbage fire. Nice. <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
1: anyway. Anyhow. Our guests are funny. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah that's definitely like my my i've realized that my like my current approach to world building has definitely been just mix everything together because people move and yeah it's cool to make it make sense in a, on like yeah. an environmental level like yeah. you're on a coastline there's a bunch of triton and water genasi but also there's probably some humans and elves and orcs as well because people yeah. move like and it, it just makes sense because you're rich can... If we have a system where a dragon can be polymorphed into a goldfish, why
5: wouldn't there be all these people yeah. living together? <laughs> yeah. well, there,
4: is, there is something real satisfying about using reality, especially the past, because yeah, I also use, I use the past in general. My current character is a rabbit folk from, and what is a my version of an archeological site that like exists in real life. It was a big settlement that was a, major locale of interaction for what is now japan korea northeast asia in general is also down into south and southeast asia like this existed archaeologically so why can't it exist in a fantasy world and that's where my character comes from
7: Mm -hmm.
4: and like i said rabbit folk are not are relatively recent and there isn't a lot of lore and mechanics around them and i think that's partly why i found them super appealing because yeah, there was baggage yeah there wasn't a lot of connotation even though my table is great like i guess the dm's all right like daniel's <laughs> not going to <laughs> call me out on whatever i want to do <laughs> but, all of a sudden you just get cut from the feed <laughs> yeah i'm gone but then oh boy but then it's the connotations there like it doesn't didn't matter what the t- table was like. I I didn't want to pick a character that had the, yeah, that baggage or that stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So instead I made like a rabbit folk who comes from archaeological Japan, essentially. That's cool. That sounds freaking cool. <laughs> and here we are. And it's worth noting uh, Daniel hired someone to do character art for us. And <laughs> the person happens to also be a, like familiar with Japanese archaeology. So they automatically picked up on stuff that I didn't even write down for the character reference and gave them like period appropriate themed clothing. I was like, oh, hell yeah. Why? Like said that it was it was good everybody <laughs>
2: bringing the archaeology into rpgs nobody bringing the lawyer stuff in
4: <laughs> oh, no. oh no no we, we get a political intrigue stuff. and we all need
5: a lawyer up we know who we're gonna call i, I just, <laughs> I just the one, one, one session
2: that. that was that was our
6: characters in court in, in, oh, sigil, in sigil, I, sigil actually the whole the whole session was a whole bunch of cross-examinations and it was one of the best D sessions <laughs> I played. I mean, the, the story i'm about, so. about to do the story i'm
1: about to do in the campaign yeah. where I play Elise, is like she's finally gone back to her home city because uh, she has to go to the her mother's trial because her mother is being put on trial for the thing they got exiled for, and there's oh. going to be a hell of a lot of lawyering happening. Is
5: it? You need to message me and tell me how it goes. If
2: you need a technical consultant, <laughs>
5: you bring. The, I would like to bring in this guest player Kim She will be my lawyer for my character.
2: I only require the law and order ding dung sound to. Appear. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Contact this character has also actually been put on trial before. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> crimes. She does a lot <laughs> of crimes. <laughs>
4: To end in a cliffhanger and a just black screen. Dun,
1: dun, at the end. <laughs> exactly I am wondering, producer Dick Wolf. I am, yeah, <laughs> I am wondering how Kimchi would feel about the way me and Matt handle like the, the the like trials and law involved in our It's going to be the
5: <laughs> it's going to be the lawyer reacts to Phoenix Wright. <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> That's not That's how totally hearsay unworth. works. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like, oh, baby! Yeah. Oh, and another baby! So many babies! Animals
7: are getting
5: aggressive. <laughs> yes, and the too. Capri side. <laughs>
3: oh! Stop! Stop! Um, what an asshole! Jesus!
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I. I did want to. I did want to very briefly talk about a thing I'm working on because I feel like the people here it, will, do it, do it. will appreciate it. Kimchi already knows about it because me and Kimchi have secret conversations. Um, <laughs> secret, talking secret, secret, not secret, secret council meetings. Secret, secret <laughs> council
2: meetings. <laughs> That's <laughs> illegal. We can't have that.
1: Uh-huh. Um, I'm not
2: sure about the legality on that. Done. <laughs> <laughs> <We're just, laughs> uh,
1: for all our for all our talk of janasi which. People here seem to be really into Genasi. I wonder why. It might be all the mixed race coding. Um, I the, th- the thing for me with Genasi was that I was immediately drawn to them, but also felt like they were mechanically lacking very much. Uh, and that I didn't like a lot of aspects of the lore. So what ended up happening was that every time I made a new Genasi character, I would rewrite the lore more and more. No. And then eventually I ended up being like, you know what, and fuck these mechanics too. I'm going to make <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole thing out. Dust <laughs> yeah. the whole thing out. And so what ended up happening was that um, I, I basically stumbled into writing a supplement to improve Genasi. And it's been very interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's not Hell only yeah. mechanic, but it's uh, mechanical, but it's also law-wise. And it's been very interesting. Um, coming up with lots of cool ideas for how to improve them in terms of like playability giving them more interesting things than just like a cantrip and a, maybe a resistance but also it's not the same across the board because for some reason they're really erratically written um yeah. but also thinking about how to incorporate both the mixed race coding and the Swana coding into the way i'm uh writing the like flavor text and the law text and having to be very like self-critical not wanting to fall into any pitfalls and um, not wanting to mechanize being mixed race, because we've talked about that. Um, but trying to portray Genasi as like a people who the way I see them, the, what we talked about last time, as a people who are fundamentally very different and diverse from one another across all the ele- different like elemental ancestries, but who have the the unifying experience of being Genesi. Which was why I relate to them being mixed race so much, even outside of what what C re- wrote about them, um, that you know we on this panel are all so different from one another, but we all are unified by the experience of being mixed race, yeah. and basically trying to put that thought and feeling into yeah into so they see each, each other dressing. in town and they point at each other and be
4: like ah <laughs> 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 so we'll,
7: nod
4: in the middle years solid explanation.
5: Like it's, it's basically just all of us in this chat doing the Spider-Man point meme. Yeah.
2: honestly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't say hello to each other. They just the, uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah. Carry on. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, that's been really interesting because I've not written, I've not like written for TTRPGs RPGs before. It's been a really interesting experience trying to trying to. F- fix things that I see as not working.
6: You never forget your first time trying to fix yeah. TTR. <laughs> <laughs> Good,
1: on Good on you. You take the never forget. And fix
7: the <laughs> you
1: never forget
6: your first time trying to fix D&D. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: literally, like, one of the first characters I made was was Elise, and I made a custom Storm Genasi, and then I've just iterated upon that since then, and then it's just been like, oh, I, I mean, I guess maybe I'll just write a supplement then, and I'll just... I guess I live here supplement. now. Yeah. <laughs> It's my life now. <laughs> so who knows this when all made up. for me <laughs> um, but yeah who knows when I'll actually finish that because writing D&D is hard y'all but <laughs> never forget
8: your first
6: time trying to finish what you start writing yeah.
1: <laughs> Jer- Jeremy
7: yeah, yeah. Oh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> I got my own problems <laughs> <laughs> I got a million things I'm trying oh, also, to do
4: <laughs> I have a lot of that well, going I on also
6: your and your also, I gotta tell you
5: it's just that.
4: <laughs> Yeah. yeah.
5: <laughs> I'm a the art front. Like, I'm the yeah. really art front. with how many works in progress I have left. Oh, mm-hmm. god. oh god. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if you finish it, let me know because I want to see. And also I just want to see if I can like apply that to Faye. Because yeah, I'm not fully hundred percent sold on the Genasi stuff that Wizards of the Coast does. Cause also I agree with you. Like the Genasi needs so much better
1: yeah. stuff. Like they yay better. Air Genasi just can cast levitate. like like, oh these cool people who are like they're like elemental primordial people oh how are we going to give them mechanics that reflect that oh um well um you you can cast um produce flame yeah
5: i can make a person float (laughs) once a day if they
1: don't make the save oh boy really (laughs) get the short end of the stick they don't even i am
5: glad that i saw like in the new one that like my thing was like i think they can now do um shocking grasp or yeah, and then a you
6: now get like spray it's like that's not good enough
5: <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the one thing I liked about it was I get a like fi- instead my starting speed is now 35 which now makes my character Faye even monstrously faster because yeah. she has the mobile feet too so oh, she's saying, just with the mobile weak. feet too <laughs> I, I understand
3: I'm I'm currently playing a vampire monk who is just ludicrously
4: Without fast <laughs>
5: He's like, hi, I'm hi, I'm the party Sonic the Hedgehog.
4: Let's go. I'm going to wreck yeah, your yeah. rooftop encounter. Drew's <laughs> yeah. so, Tr- 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 character is also completely silent when he moves.
3: <laughs> yeah, I <I'm>, have <laughs> uh, Boots of Elven kind, so it's just. <sighs> but...
1: <laughs> I love that. But yeah, like, I want to see that stuff. I want to see it. <laughs> um, I y'all are gonna I'm gonna share this shit with you guys after this because I think it's put it in the council channel.
2: Um, I'm
1: calling it
5: that now. <laughs> we know next it, week. Daniel. Some I think Isabelle. Were you the one? You named it the Lewis
1: Tan Appreciation Society, but it was it's supposed to be a council one day, and then I forgot to change it back. <laughs> <laughs> we can change
3: it. To uh, the I think that's a story. Now. That's I, a story I, of all I, group I chats. Was
0: oh, no, never no. going to change it. Was going to stay as the Lewis Tan Fan Appreciation Chat. Like, that's
1: just you and <laughs> me, Sorry, Daniel. Daniel. <laughs> it's just yeah. It's just, it's just you and Sonia. I'm.
2: We should sad. switch it around to various uh, mixed celebrities. Yeah, Ooh,
7: that's a <laughs> quick idea. good idea. This Keanu week it's the Andrew Koji. Society. <laughs>
1: um. Well, on that note, I feel like <laughs> I, on on the note of Keanu Reeves, I feel like. <laughs> we've come full circle As <laughs> all things when start and begin we end yeah. with Keanu Reeves is
2: it really a mixed race panel if we don't talk about Keanu Reeves it's no. An no. No.
1: and we mentioned no. him so now it's over yeah no. <laughs> <Just, whoa>. um, <laughs> but it is about time and I just want to thank you guys for coming back for part two and for Drew for joining Yay! us for the first time for part two oh, yeah. and, and for Jeremy's dog for being really cute
2: Oh, ahead. she's fidgeting around now.
1: <laughs> yeah, out here
2: and and Drew's Capri Sun. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. I'm uh, 25 years old. I pay my taxes and I drink sure. Capri Suns every yeah. now and then.
4: Yeah, yes, yeah. you're your right. right. <laughs> yeah, my
2: God given right. If
4: you yep. want your juice out of a pouch, like that is yeah.
2: your right. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: It's
1: um, some
2: grown man stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, I think. We should go around one more time, and I think everyone should plug their shit, because people here do amazing things, and everyone needs to know about them. So um, let's go back in the same order as before, which was starting off with Kimchi.
2: Well, uh, I'm Legal Kimchi. I run a YouTube channel where I talk about uh, TTRPG topics, do video essays on deep dives on various issues from history, politics, uh, social issues, retain relating to the games or just around the community. Uh, so if you like that sort of thing, want to see some deep dives, including my upcoming video, which should be out soon uh, or may already be out, depending upon when this is released uh, on POC in Western European history. Um, yeah. You can check it out at youtube.com slash legal kimchi. Uh, you could also check me out on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash legal kimchi where I usually have conversations with uh, individuals in the TTRPG community um, about whatever topics they want. Uh, recently, we've gone over things like geopolitics as opposed to international relations and the differences between the two uh, to occasionally doing things about uh, legal issues uh, that come up. Like I just did a discussion on the uh mm-hmm texas trans executive order um that our terrible governor put out and the legal ramifications of that um so if you like that type of stuff please give it a check out on legal kimchi on all social media twitter twitch and youtube primarily
5: kimchi wait before before you end your intro what was your pizza flavor <laughs>
3: oh it's pepperoni not the toppings of flavor yeah <laughs> the, the <Okay>. whole profile
7: <laughs> woody Ro- woody notes well, yeah. Cool,
2: yeah? <laughs> Hints of oak and hibiscus. Uh, sure, <laughs> I still have the crust. I, I really wanted to finish it, but it felt weird eating on camera. So,
1: what <laughs> were the toppings
2: though? Oh, it was it was pepperoni pizza. Okay, got
1: it. Okay. This pizza important. was
2: intended for my children, so it was very basic.
1: <laughs> my god, Kimchi stealing food from his children. What the hell? Anyway, it's true. Oh, gotta turn, go on Twitter. Right? Hold on, I gotta say <laughs> something. <of> <laughs> it's Drew's turn. There's a Twitter thread calling for that. (laughs)
3: Yeah. So, uh, like I said, you know, my name is Drew Kwan. So if you, you know, I don't have particularly any projects going on right now, but you know, I manage our, uh, amazing discord community. So if you want to be a part of that, you can go to the Asian represent Patreon and get in that way by becoming one of our uh, wonderful patrons. Or if you'd like, uh, you can find it on aznsrepresent.com. There's a contact form where you can, uh, fill out an application. You can also probably find the link to that, uh, in one of my uh pin tweets or you can also go on to our asians represent uh, uh twitter and you'll find it there um but yeah come <clears throat> come over and uh join us have some fun
1: Do yeah. yeah hell yeah um emma there. who are you make Why some poop
3: jokes you? you know <laughs>
4: yeah yeah uh so emma i am on twitter as at starchiologist and i am an archaeologist who studies starch to try and recreate past food waste But uh, more relevant to what we're doing here is I also work as a cultural consultant and sensitivity reader in TTRPGs and pop media in general. I'm currently working, slowly working on my own thing that I think is kind of going to be just a source book. So like maps NPCs, and world setting uh, things that you can use whatever system you want for. And it's based on early 17th century Nagasaki. So during the time of samurai but there are zero samurai characters because f that and (laughs) it's a period of time when Nagasaki had a lot of mixed race people so there are a lot of mixed race characters running around living their lives being people so (laughs) that's something I've been slowly working on by myself every once in a while and maybe one day it'll be finished (laughs) i believe in you thank you (laughs) it also involves a lot of ghosts
1: nice nice. it's a
4: it's a paranormal thing where everyone from different parts of the world bring their ghosts with them so that's cool i want to know about that can we have a secret meeting after
1: the secret meeting where we talk about it yeah Secret, secret meetings, meetings. Steps <laughs> on
5: stats on stats
1: <laughs>
4: secret meetings within secret meetings well you can use the room function on zoom yes <laughs> yeah. um,
1: Sonia who are you where can ah. people find you
5: hi I'm Sonia you can find me across all social media at Sony Art. I'm a freelance uh, character designer and illustrator um, in terms of stuff that's come out for me uh, I worked on Uncaged Goddesses which is the final uh Final book in the Uncaged anthology. It is 21 tier four adventures free- featuring feminist reimaginings of nu- the neutral and evil aligned goddesses from Faerun and beyond. Uh, we actually managed to reach gold bestseller in Yay! one week. Woo! <laughs> so that's oh, yeah. bonker. <laughs> that's um, amazing. Yeah. Check it out. The book is really, really good. The artwork is... The, everybody just fucking snapped on that <laughs> that book uh go check it out it's available on the dms guild um i'm also uh, one of the many contributing artists for Die Hard dice's adventuring artist tarot deck uh, i did the wheel of fortune card and they're going to be revealing all the other cards up until i think the deck is going to be available to be purchased through Die Hard dice um uh, march 20th i believe so keep an eye out for that i'm also part of the um Unbreakable uh, art team. We got some stuff coming down the pipeline, so keep an eye out for that, too. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> nice. Nice. And Jeremy, who are you? Where can we yes. Find you? I
6: am Jeremy. and You can find me on social media, Twitter, at Pixel Grotto, uh, where I talk about TTRPGs, talk about retro video games, which greatly influence my TTRPG sessions, and um i've been writing for DD beyond for a while now you can see my articles about call the nether deep stuff is up now and there's stuff for future books that'll be coming later um and you can see various bits and pieces that i've written for other uh tabletop role playing game companies on the portfolio link on my twitter account so check that out and if you need somebody to write stuff for DD or pathfinder or call cthulhu which are the systems i know best then hit me up
1: And, uh, and I have been Izza, and if you want to find more of what I do, uh, my Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube are all Evil Clever Dog. I am a designer, like costumes and props and sets and stuff like that, and cosplayer, and cool I shit. make cool videos about making cool shit. <laughs> it's so cool! It's <laughs> thank amazing! <you>. It's, <laughs> it's so, so cool! cool. It's I'm, good stuff. I'm, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm currently <laughs> working on a cool little commission for Dark Dice podcast, which... I have, like, two and a half weeks to finish. Ah, from this point. <laughs> got it. Um, I've got it. It's going to be fine. Uh, but that's a cool, like, d d related thing that I'll probably be making a video about after the fact. So keep your eye out for that. And I guess also keep your eye out for when I eventually finish whatever this Genasi supplement becomes.
6: Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm working on a thing I was supposed to finish last July. So this, oh, wow.
5: Yeah. You know, so <laughs> The work never ends. I will say <laughs>
4: again, what is
1: time?
7: What is time?
5: <laughs> literally. In this literally. world we
1: live in. Um, other than that, I, I'm a TTRPG streamer, and I'm on some various things at the moment, but honestly, at the moment, I can't remember which of them I am and aren't allowed to talk about, so I'll just say go follow me on Twitter and you'll see what yeah. I tweet about it. <laughs> <Link at> NDA. <laughs> oh, uh, episodes of a thing for Three Black Halflings I was in recently came out. I think. I don't know. I don't remember anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's me. Uh, and I just want to thank every one of you once again for being part of this panel. Uh, this has been so much fun. I know last time we talked about how it was just so great to be able to just shoot the shit with a bunch of other mixed race people and just be able to vibe as well as yeah. complain. And yeah. It's very cathartic <laughs> and it's very good. But hopefully it's also been very... Um,
0: Educational for the people watching, I hope. <laughs> that was um, that was awesome. That was awesome. that was so <laughs> incredible. That was just the fourth time I listened to it. <laughs> that that
8: panel with the the voices on it was so incredibly valuable. Just like I can't I can't gush enough. Like that was. I learned so much and I I know a lot of people look to me on Twitter or other like Mm -hmm. platforms to be like, you know, educate me and like be a source of information, but I can only do so much. These folks here, they are all also experts. They know what they're talking about and it's wonderful to hear them talk.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know what? I mean, we've been trying to put a lot more effort and be a lot more intentional with the kinds of you know, panels and the kinds of episodes that we do on agents represent. Um, I mean, in the chat, we were talking about like, you know, are we going to do this or this? And, you know, doing these live reads actually takes away from our ability to do panels like this um, because we only have so much bandwidth to do this. Um, so I'm super, super, super grateful for that. We are um, doing more episodes like this. I'm sure this won't be the last one. And is will shoot me a message and just be like, I've got an idea. Or, you know, if <laughs> any anybody who was on that panel wants to do anything, if Kim G's like, you know what? Asian lawyers, TTRPGs, let's do an episode on that. Because there, there was a lot of archaeology and not enough legal stuff. Um so happy to do anything, honestly, on Asians represent with with those people. They're 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 great folks. Um, that said, you know who's also great, Steve? Who's that, Daniel? Who's that? our patrons our patrons are (laughs) fantastic um shout out to you know all of the you know amazing folks who have been supporting us since we launched the uh the the patreon and have you know been able to help us like grow agents represent and keep it this you know sustainable um we actually took all all of our like last month's patreon um and we just what, what is what is the thing we did in the discord we boosted it
1: what, yeah what did so, the young people do <laughs> i was
8: really I was really happy about this because we took all, all those funds and we directed in something very actionable, which yeah. is we boosted our discord so that next time actually very soon we're gonna have a event night, movie night, other like streaming events that happen ad hoc yeah we'll have higher stream quality, higher voice qu- oh, quality it
0: actually affects this the actual s-
8: streaming on the server it does it does so you know having that kind of upkeep. Uh, means that people can come in and like hang out, and it's a little higher quality. And with Drew, our uh, community manager, who was obviously on stream, um, we're going to start implementing more uh, ways to engage with the server for your private groups for you know tabletop RPGs and things like that. So instead of having your own private server, you can use our server to take advantage of the higher bandwidth,
0: the higher oh, audio quality, cool. and things like that. Um, so you like, know, still can work actually... in progress host their home games there basically, or like sure. meet people there and then uh, kind of go and actually play the game in the server rather than have to leave and go elsewhere. Exactly. Oh, that's, cool. that's exactly it. That's yeah. super neat. Because
8: as a community that where we have this, you know, these resources flowing through, we should absolutely share those with the community that just kind of joins up because, you know, they're looking for a place to belong or yeah. a place to at least resonate with. And I think this is this is really within our 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 values and our goals.
0: Yeah, and you know another thing, I was actually able to we were able to go and not only you know purchase because if you win an any, you have to purchase. You only get one medal, and you have to purchase all of your additional ones. If you didn't know that, Um, we were able to purchase you know uh, anys for everyone on the Discord team and uh, ship them out to everyone. I know some of them are still in the mail, all going all the way over to Asia. but we ship them all out and that that's thanks to the amazing folks you see on the screen right now. Uh, my partner is getting Marla because Marla appears in every single Asians represent episode. Um, but thank you to, you know, all of our disciples of the sky court our guardians of the realm, Brooke, pixel grotto, Jeremy, shout out to Jeremy. Um, Jeremy and I are actually going to be working on a project together soon. Um, and oh, with, uh, with drew as well. Um, it's going to be sweet. um, uh, Daisy May, Arjun Nair, Justin, um, Wayan, and Sunlit Music. You folks are awesome. And we have some people who are not just awesome, but also most honorable. We have uh, the most honorable Metal Weave games, the most honorable Valorous games. Um, shout out to Liana, who needs to come back on the podcast in the future. Um, the most honorable Dungeon Glitch slash Matt I see you in the chat uh, and the most honorable times two Epic Impulse, and now my ex, who is a friend of mine here in Toronto. Um, that said, Marla is going to make an appearance with lean Mar- Marla. Marla, are you going to say hi to everyone? Marla, do you want to, you want to, do you have anything you want to say? No. No, you just, you know, surprisingly. She was,
8: she was getting more comfortable with it. Surprisingly now, calm.
0: Now she's just angry.
8: Now, she, now she wants to
0: kill us all. Marla, Great. are you? Okay, there we go. Squeak. Okay, got a little squeak there. (laughs) Um, But Marla loves all of you, Um, not just our patrons. But uh, if you'd like to kind of join the conversation, continue the conversation about, you know, playing mixed race characters or just learning more and sharing your experiences, your games, what's going on, uh, you can join our Discord server. Um, We have Steve. Wow. That was Marla. Yes. you can head to our website, aznsrepresent.com. Um, head to the contact page and you could fill out a form there. Drew will go through every single application um, and kind of vets everyone. Alternatively, you could become a patron and that gives you instant access to our server. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we hope to see you there. Thank you for your support, whether it be on Patreon or just showing up, being a viewer, joining the conversation or just, you know, like doing some good in your own community. Um this has been a great 50th episode. So happy that we did this. Steve, uh, I really appreciate you. And I'm really excited for uh, our next episode when we do our two year retrospective of our Twitch journey. I love that. Yeah. And
8: thank you to Happy 50th.
0: Happy 50th. You, you, you've, done, you've done happy, so well. Happy 50th. Yes. Oh, God. Ancient. Um, <laughs> but that said, Oh. <laughs>